Dave. Matt. Finally. It's emotional, isn't it? It is emotional. Our Game of Thrones coverage comes to a close. Now our watch has ended. We'll be revisiting our start of season predictions um, about who lives, who dies in the Game of Thrones. It's been just enough episodes that I can't remember what I said, and the only thing I know for certain is a deep sense of confidence that I got it wrong. I mean, pod for the Iron Throne, obviously. What a prediction, so close. So close, within touching distance. Hello, and welcome to Shark Live Royal. I'm Matt. I'm Dave, hello. And this is the final episode of Game of Thrones, called The Iron Throne. Well, there you go. I was wondering when they were going to address that. It all comes and down to this. Last episode. It all, it all comes down to this. <laughs> so, um, as ever, as every week, we will um, do a bit of a breakdown of the episode. Uh, <laughs> not our traditional sort of um, Shark Live Royal setup. this, because normally we do books, but as we say, because we're increasingly losing faith in George Martin's likelihood of finishing it, these books. We've would you say losing, series. Matt? I feel like we've just lost. Faith. Yeah. The faith is, is no more. Bereft of life, it sleeps. <laughs> um, but we've also got uh, today, after we've done that, we'll be revisiting our start of season predictions um, about who lives, who dies <laughs> in the Game of Thrones. It's- <laughs> it's been just enough episodes that I can't remember what I said, and the only yeah. thing I know for certain is a deep sense of confidence that I got it wrong. Yeah, That's me neither. I'm quite excited about that. Um, I can remember one <laughs> or two, but not many. So, and I can't remember any of these. <laughs> I mean, part uh, of the Iron Throne, obviously, which which will come to Matt, by the way. Oh but, yeah, um, yeah. What a prediction! So close. Yeah, so, so close. close. Yeah, so physically, so close. Yeah, and within yet, touching in terms distance. of plot so far, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so there's been quite a lot of um, quite a range of opinion about how the series in general has ended on this specific episode, but um, we'll get out, we'll get into our thoughts of it. Um, it starts with the again slightly adapted intro. I do like how the intros changed a bit every every episode this time. So King's Landing's just pretty much knackered. It's sort of it, it's got these little bits where the cogs are turning, but nothing's really moving. Um, and oh. just, just sort of sets that up. Did you see that? No. Like, for some mm. reason, the version I got... Did they do two versions of it then? Like, for, because I remember... Like, I just got the one that still has King's Landing intact and has a dragon skull in the basement and that. And I was just looking at it going, I feel like all of that died last week. So, uh, what's this? Uh, well, it, yeah, in the, the King's Landing's still intact, but it's sort of a lot... It's quite broken. It's funny because Kate said when she was watching it... Um, she thought it should have been more like knackered more wrecked. than it was. So maybe, maybe yeah. that's true because I don't think you noticed it. So it must have been, it must have been that, that <laughs> it broken. It's, it has failed to pass the Dave test. Yeah. Um, so we start the episode in the sort of aftermath of what happened last week. Um, it's all so sort of... The thing that really struck me about this is just how quiet it is. Just almost all yeah. silent or very, at least yeah. very muted because of the the ash everywhere which is acting almost like a blanket of snow um and you have like this this burned man walks past uh just in shock um and Tyrion sees the sort of burnt out 
uh, wooden horse girl as well that, that we we sort of tracked through some of the episode last week. Uh, what yeah. did you make of this this opening? Bloody brilliant. Uh, really haunting, actually. And um, and again, so I was talking last week about the, the um, Hiroshima in Japan and the sort of the memorial gardens there for the nuclear bombing in 45. And um, it was, this really reminded me of that as well. Mm. Um, and there's a, actually, it's not often that I recommend books, ironically, on this books podcast, but there's a book called Hiroshima by an American journalist who was basically, because in the, back in the day, obviously, I mean, the place was nuked. There were no telegram wires. Nobody actually knew sort of what had happened. It was this weird sort of blank spot on the map. And he was one of the first people to go in. And he, he basically did these like four or five long form interviews with people who'd survived. And like, and the, it's incredible because he just basically is like, you know, you know, one of them's a German priest. Father such and such woke up in his in his, you know, did went about his business. Doctor such and such went about his business. All of that, and then the bomb yeah. drops. And they all describe the experience of being surrounded by sort of thousands of people who are alive, but like charred, like cooked, basically walking around, but unable to respond. Like mm. just so traumatized by what's happened to them that they're just like dragging themselves around the place. And, and a lot of people saying that, like, the, one of the biggest traumas was the fact that they couldn't respond to it. That, like, you couldn't, you know, there's piles of people and there's people within these piles of people saying, you know, help me, help me, help me. But you, you can't can do it do? because, yeah. exactly, there's so many people. And so this, I thought this was exactly the right way of getting us to, like, after having had everybody last week throw stuff at the TV in kind of exasperated shock that Daenerys was doing this. This week, you are Tyrion walking in ground level, mm. just being presented with what it looks like, and it just brings everybody back into an atrocity has occurred here, and like, and what we're doing this episode is going to be about the aftermath of that atrocity. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, Tyrion goes on alone into the Red Keep. Meanwhile, John and his Northmen come across Grey Worm and some of the Unsullied, and they're executing prisoners. <sighs> Yeah. And John John tries to put a stop to this, and in the end, he can't. He has to sort of retreat to go and speak to the Queen, and and these people die anyway. Um, yeah. Which is there's this sort of quick cut to as John's arguing over their lives to one of the guys on the knees, just sort of looking up, and then when John leaves, he's got to sort of just leave this guy to to his death. Yeah. And this was I, I find this quite affecting, and the argument that yeah. Grey Worm has as well, where he says. Um, these, you know, these guys weren't slaves. They were, um, you know, they were free men. And it's an interesting sort of, <laughs> it's it's an interesting mistake that Grey Worm makes in that assuming that they these people had more choice than than he ever had. Yeah. And yeah. to a large extent, that isn't really true. If you're a conscript or you're a serf, you know, yeah. um, or even to a lesser extent, I suppose if a lord, you could have a bit more agency to run away. But when it comes down to it, if someone if someone turns up on your land and says, "Right, we're off to fight this battle," you just have to do it. You've no choice, yeah. really. Yeah, and I mean, I hadn't actually realised, noticed that. But you're right; that's a really interesting sort of cross-cultural moment. Because in many ways, like Grey Worm's perfectly justified in believing nobody has gone through what he's been through. So, mm. so you know, he's he's very justified in being like. Well, yeah, but nobody came to you and completely shaped your personality since childhood to be a killer. So you had a choice, yeah, motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like that's that's a that, I think that's a justified position for him to take. But you're right as well that being a serf is basically being a slave without shackles. Like 
certainly the role of being a serf is you're not free to move around you're not free to choose what you do you're not free to do anything really but you are just there as manpower that the lord of the manor doesn't need to bother to feed hmm. and um uh y- yeah so it's an interesting sort of clash of cultures moment i also thought this was really good this little scene as a way of sort of doubling down on the um the bleakness of it because last week we had john killing that that northman who was about to commit a rape and that he just runs in there and and there is the, there was this minute minute moment of a good man in the midst of chaos can do a good act type mm. thing but here not only is a good man the chaos has gone away he's the commander of the entire army essentially like he's the queen's right hand man and he can't stop this from happening and that was a really interesting little for me a really little interesting reminder of just how fucking bleak war is mm. and what it looks like and what it means um and and yeah yeah vicious um then we explore the re- the remains of the red keep with Tyrion. he goes past i thought i liked how oh, he yeah goodness. he went past some of these um like the, the the long table where the small council meet in the map room and it's just yeah. all sort of devastation he goes down to the dungeons which you can still access which i was a little surprised about i thought it would have been a full yeah, cave sorry, down it, there. it kind of collapsed didn't it yeah like- I mean, they do. In fairness, they do have that bit where he comes into that passageway, and there's a big pile of rubble, but he kind of can squeeze through at the top, type yeah. of thing. So they they sort of addressed that, although it was a remarkably, uh, remarkably accessible and well lit, caved in, uh, yeah. caved in set of catacombs, wasn't it? Yeah, um, he, he explores there that the dragons. Some of the dragon skulls have survived. Um, he comes across a pile of rubble and sees Jamie's hand, and then he uncovers. Uh, Jamie and Cersei, obviously the, their bodies, so he knows yeah. for sure now that they died as well, and he sort of breaks down. And I think it wasn't yeah. so much just obviously he was really close to Jamie, and he he desperately wanted him to get out, and he's devastated he hasn't. But it's also sort of the the culmination of all the things he he's Tyrion's basically in the last episode sacrificed his own life to get Jamie yeah. out to try and save everybody. And yeah. he's just realising in the first sort of 10 minutes of this episode, everything he tried to to do, he's failed. He didn't save the city yeah. and he didn't. He couldn't even save his brother. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, it was, and now he's going to have to face whatever's coming to him and know yeah. that it was all for nothing in the end. Yeah. And like his... Um... First thing to say, this is a masterpiece. Like the, the acting from Peter Dinklage in this is just, just fantastic, and he just man- he makes it matter so much, without ceasing to be this sort of quite browbeaten character. You know, Tyrion is very beaten down by circumstance, even though he's a very powerful person. Mm. You know, he never never ceases to see himself as a broken thing. You know, and um, and so there's it, just that. The pain of that coming forth, because he was he, as you say, he he was trying to exercise the authority he did have in order to save somebody he cared about and a city that he didn't want to see ruined, and it's just fallen to pieces. And that despair is really interesting because I don't think we've seen a lot of that in in Game of Thrones. So, you know, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of mm. sort of of, of of bleakness, and a lot of people when faced with their last moments who do it stoically, and a lot of people who scream about it. But there's not that sense of just like desolate disappointment, and I thought he absolutely nailed it in this bit. Um, mm. The other thing I thought was quite interesting is just hearing you describe it the way you described it. Then made me realise 
you know, one of the major criticisms of this episode that I've been hearing has been all of that was for nothing. This was for nothing. This was for nothing. Why the hell do we go there? It was for nothing. And that's that is kind of reasonable like in the broad strokes like to be disappointed when a, a story has told you that it's about this and then it turns out not to deliver that um and we'll talk more about that in a bit i think but um part of that is the point for Tyrion, he's put his life on the line and it was for nothing you know like mm. you know I, it would be it would not be game of thrones if there weren't things that were being tried at quite great length that just didn't work out and um, and I think that's actually a pretty decent point about what this episode, the significance of this episode in the Game of Thrones universe as a whole, was um, it, it is, yeah. Sometimes it doesn't work. Hmm. Sometimes it doesn't come off. Yeah, we go uh, we go back outside to the Dothraki and and Unsullied all <laughs> outside. <laughs> Who were all there in much greater serried ranks than they appeared to be in front of the walls of the city two episodes ago, or during the battle last episode? They just yeah, sprung forth from the. And is this a video game thing? Do you think are they just respawning like regenerated? Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. It's it's that. It's like that in Quake Two. If you ever played that, where you'd like clean out an area and then they turn out to be a secret sliding wall panel containing, in Quake Two's case one of the most terrifying bads you'll ever have to fight in a very tight space. And in the case of Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 6, another entire army of Unsullied, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Like, where are they coming from? And, and, and is this just a question of them lazily not putting in establishing shots to tell us how many of the fuckers there are? It's yeah. been a long time this has been a problem I, I, now. Yeah, I think this is a, one of the... It's, it's sort of a, a running theme of, uh, of your criticism since The Long it Night, is. which yeah. is... They, they, they never really, they, at, at no point do they give us any idea of how many um, how many Unsullied and Dothraki are left and sort of why or sort of where they were. Yeah, I think we have, a, we have a rough idea. Yeah. Uh, the episode after the, um, the episode after the Long Night, they say they've got about half left and, and you said last time we, kept, we can't really work out why because they didn't do a good enough job of telling us. And again here, there's a load left. We're not quite sure where they were or what was going on last week, but you know they're there. <laughs> there were, I mean, were they in the second load? Were they? Was their flight yeah. delayed? Like, <laughs> yeah. Where where did they come from? You know, were the horses a little bit tricky to get through customs from the north to the south? You know, <laughs> getting them across that bridge at the twins is just terribly time consuming. Is that the excuse? <laughs> I reckon they just got lost. They were all like laying siege to High Garden. <laughs> They were like, well, it's quite, it's quite nice from here, actually. I thought it was going to be a bit more desolate around King's Landing Way. But um, anyway, the second of the time, everyone else getting here, and then someone's just gone, I thought the Red Keep would look a bit redder than that. And they're like, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> we, turned right, we turned right at the end of the whatever. <laughs> that's amazing. We turned left at the neck. And who's that, who's that terrifying, terrifying man-child over there with the... With the Blue bird on his chest. Oh God, it's sweet Robin. Wrong place. Right, turn it around. Turn it around. <laughs> yeah, they've just been going right nearly that. How much further? Uh, it's looking about about by my head about fifteen miles. Great, great. And they just pass this sign. Welcome to the Vale. Oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> 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 What's happened? We're going to have to do a number of things very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell you what the problem is, Matt. It's Kono. Kono was the map reader, and he's just yeah. gone. 
He yeah. was there. It was his job to know what was what. And now they're just they've dissolved into bickering about whether or not the sat nav tells you accurately when you should turn. Yeah. Whether or not you, you know, oh, it was that. It was that back then. Well, I was waiting for it to show me on the screen, wasn't I? This, you know, it's we're in Lannisport. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. So, so there's a surprisingly large number of Dothraki and Unsullied. It's um, it's shot in a way that I mean, all this stuff for the first sort of forty minutes of this episode, it's kind of it's kind of strange because the the battle was sort of data like sort of quite quite bright and sunny as you said last week. Yeah. The yeah. the aftermath is very dark and cloudy and moody, yeah. and then once Daenerys is killed, it it sort of reverts back to this brighter, um, brighter weather, and it sort of obviously does yeah. pathetic fallacy to show you sort of the yeah. the gloom, um, yeah. But but also it does it, it is very very strange how quickly it turns. But this here shows sort of I got a real sense of like the the many many adaptations of like historical things with nazis and I stuff know. like that where yeah, you see the ranks was, of it? like ultimately obedient <sighs> people just standing Sigh. there and a dictator comes out and delivers yeah. the message yeah wearing impeccable black you notice yeah, that yeah. like so my, my problem wasn't so much with the changing weather um because you know you burn a city there's going to be ash you know, yeah. I could well imagine it become quite wintry quite quickly, even if the sun behind the clouds. Yeah, and a bit that's like true, when the yeah, episode yeah. is there's a sort of it's sort of three weeks later or whatever in it. Yeah, but yeah. um um but yeah, the the my thing was, where's she gone to change? Because she wasn't wearing that impeccable <laughs> stormtrooper bullshit before she when she was on the dragon. You know what I mean? She was wearing ambiguous character clothing, you know, the pathetic fallacy of her wardrobe was not yet telling us that there was a storm in her brain. Um, yeah. But now she's wearing the full-on jack-booted Ava Brown number. And it just... All of this... It, I hesitate to say this because so much of the aesthetic of Game of Thrones has been absolutely on point. And maybe it's unreasonable of me to feel this way because they have drawn very, very heavily on different historical eras to try and capture the mood of this. But mm. I'm just so tired of people needing to get... Right, they're evil... And they're extremely disciplined and militaristic. So obviously it's going to be black and red, and <laughs> uh, you know with 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 uh, with you know strategic deployments of white paint. And like, and I was just because there was the, there was a massive Targaryen banner hanging from one of the ruined gate things, wasn't it? And I was yeah. like, bring that with you. Did you? Was it rolled up on the side of the dragon? Was it? Was that coming down with the second instalment of Dothraki that we didn't see in the last episode? Like it just all felt a little bit. And now we will act as though we are the Nazis. Now we'll do it out Nazi just, style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just in Route One. I mean, so the uh, what's the uh, uh, Star Wars? The what's it? The First Order is yeah. the same thing. It's like just put them in black, black and red, very washed out faces. Job done. And yeah, I'm just so, like so short, shorthand it's, for here yeah, comes a Nazi and it's a bit fucking yeah. lazy, really. Like mm. there are other dictatorships have presented themselves with other aesthetics in the world, and I, it's just a bit as storytelling. I'm a bit like. As much as anything else, I worry that it inoculates us with the idea that if somebody turns up not wearing black leather and trying to jam a jackfruit <laughs> down your throat for breakfast, that they can't be a fascist. And that's, yeah. that's palpably not the case. Yeah. Anyway. Well, she's she's brought a leather and a banner. I'm, I'm not surprised to brought up. They, this is what armies do, isn't it? When they when they start to take over a city, they stick the banners you, up. It's first thing you they are do. right. It just but, felt um, a little bit a little bit too close to set dressing and a little bit far away yeah. from martial practice. But. I'm not. <laughs> Um, the she, she gives this speech to the Dothraki and the Unsullied 
Um, the Dothraki bit is the callback to when she said we'll go and tear down the stone houses and slaughter the men in their iron suits and all this. Um, yeah. The interesting thing about this is how she's. I I was I thought it was really I thought it was really interesting how she delivers these speeches in like High Valyrian and Dothraki, and it yeah. just it just underlines the point that she's an invader. You know, yeah. she's not saying right now we're all speaking English or well, you know common the tongue, common tongue, um, yeah, and yeah. it it just and it also. I mean, some people were saying, "How's John and Arya reacting to this?" They don't know what she's saying, but I don't think you need to understand the words to get the sentiment from the way she's speaking. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's true, John. What do you think she's saying? Honestly, I think she's making a belated plea for peace and uh, conciliation. <laughs> yeah. And uh, compromise-based <laughs> approach to moving through things, John. I actually think that's what she's about. Yeah, I think I, th- I think I think you could probably sum it up. She's just going, "Well, that got a bit out of hand, but means to means to an end." Let's uh, let's dial it back then. Let's be lovely to everybody. I hereby announce the uh, Queen Daenerys Foundation for Puppies and Smiles. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it, I think that's a that's a very good point, and it's quite an interesting piece of um, again all of this sort of theatre, and it's just what was interesting to me was the sheer creepiness of her justifying herself, which she does here sort of politically and rhetorically, and mm. which she tries really hard to do later on in the throne room with John, where she's like, she genuinely doesn't see what she's done as having been damaging, yeah, and it kind of it, and this is really well summed up by. Um, by Tyrion um, later on where he's like if she believes she's saving the world there's no limit to the number of people she'll kill and that yeah. that just seems to me to be a really again like every episode there's a Tyrion line which sums up what's going on really beautifully last time it was time before last it was you know we um, we, we fought them now we need to fight us mm. and um, and and this time out is this line about you know kind of explaining that uh, that um, Daenerys was you know, believes that she's saving the world to that extent. Yeah. Um, uh, there's an interesting thing here as well, though, is that this continues on almost 100% hit rate of um, of uh, them nearly, like, basically anticipating what's what their criticisms are going to be for each week's episode. Mm. And one of the things they've done here is basically have a speech where Daenerys goes, all of you who are tweeting furiously that (laughs) this was completely out of character and it hasn't been set up in the previous series, let me recite to you the speech that I made when I started off this army six years ago about how we're going to roast these guys in their armour and we're going to X, Y, Z and we're going to do all of this sort of thing. And I have to say, they made their argument well. I still think it was a slightly bollocks way of getting there, but they did kind of double down on no guys she's always been this way you just didn't want to see it yeah yeah uh so yeah we have this bit with Tyrion, like you say where he sort of throws away his 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 hand of the king uh pendant and i think the line is she says you know you freed your you freed uh you freed your brother and he's like yeah and you slaughtered a city you know yeah goodness <laughs> i tell you what he's he's going out and he's distraught but he's going down swinging isn't he Tyrion? Yeah. he's not waiting to be killed he comes out and basically does the throw the badge and the gun on the desk of the chief chief commissioner type thing <laughs> yeah. i'm going to need your badge stinking keep your stinking badge you know and and presenting her not unreasonably with the moral fact of what she's done which is that she has slaughtered a city 
And if yeah. she wants to be angry with him for setting somebody loose, that's treason for sure. That's why he's going. But she doesn't have a high horse or indeed high dragon to stand on. You know yeah. what I mean? As a as a from a, a moral perspective. Like she's just giving it all away and the tragedy mm. is that she doesn't know it. Yeah. So T- Tyrion's arrested. Um Arya sort of sidles up next to John after Daenerys leaves. And she basically says, Look, you're gonna be next, mate. We've got to go. Um yeah. and John sa- John sort of sticks around for longer here. And I said to Kate when we were, when we were watching this the first time, I was saying, Oh, I'm, I'm worrying for John here because if he feel it feels like very similar to what Ned did wrong in the first season. You know, everyone's telling him to get out. Yeah. Everything that he's seeing is suggesting it's getting more dangerous. It's probably best to leave. And he doesn't. And John yeah. was doing the same here. He, he won't go because he, he doesn't want to give up yet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And And because if he did give up, that would be giving up on himself in that sense. Like he would be, mm. he'd be giving up on a vow, um, and he's just being very much confronted with the reality of, yeah, but sometimes you've made the wrong vow, mm. um, and like, and there's no no rule book of honor or knightly conduct that will tell you what to do after that. Yeah, and just taking your army and running now isn't really an option because she'll come after you with a dragon, and what you're going to do yeah. then. Yeah, so yeah, no, if, if you got it, you either got to, the choice John's having to make throughout this episode is you're either all in with her and say, yeah, okay, let's try and literally take over the world and bring yeah. our version of sort of right and wrong to everybody, or you find some way of stopping her because yeah. there's no, you can't live together without completely submitting to this. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. The huge, the, like the sort of dilemma that faces him is very well, um, yeah, quite well sketched. I thought, like he, he he takes us through it quite well. Even though a lot of the way that Jon Snow acts in this episode is quite, with one one high level exception, is quite uh, quite frustrating actually. Because I kind of kept waiting for him to make to make decisions rather than just be guided by what he said in the past if you see what i mean yeah and and he just keeps digging into this you know i can't i can't i can't thing um I suppose he's in character but i still find it really frustrating yeah so he, he goes and sees Tyrion, and they have this long chat about how Tyrion's basically saying that varus was right basically um and that she's not going to stop and that you know the, but like you said earlier on there is this this is almost like the writers anticipating the criticism and, and sort of giving the reasons because Tyrion yeah. goes through sort of Daenerys's history, you know, burning the slavers at Astapor, uh, slaughtering all the masters in Marine, uh, massacring all the Carls, um, and yeah. and then King's Landing, and sort of every yeah. step of the way because they were sort of bad slags she was getting rid of. Everyone said it was yeah. great, but that yeah. makes her more and more certain that she yeah. is just the sort of true arbiter of justice absolutely and, and and that's how you get here yeah and and we i'll say this was one of the moments where i felt a little bit smug about how well we'd done over the last couple of weeks like calling the shape of this plot because this we said that last was it last week did we it was mm-hmm. like every single person that she's faced that we've been pulling for for before that has been definitely terrible awful mm. just a just a horrible horrible character and has done something monstrous to deserve it and we were kind of ignoring the fact that 
she's still doing monstrous things back to them and there's nothing to stop her from doing monstrous things to people that we otherwise don't want to see hurt and mm. it, I think it's a really I do I mean I, I know I did loads on this last week but I do think it's genius to pull the rug out on us like this in a plot this size and say yeah but monstrous acts are monstrous acts regardless mm. of who you do them to and you can try and justify them but the moment you start believing that it's monstrous acts that are saving you you are a monster and that's it yeah yeah and this the conversation goes through sort of Cersei and Tywin where Tyrion says yeah okay you know Cersei and Tywin were both both awful people horrible people but add up all the people they killed and it's still not even close to what Daenerys did yesterday and that's the difference so scales Um, as well yes although I feel like Tywin Lannister is probably indirectly responsible for quite a lot of death right like like throwing throwing the war of the kings back and forth you know, that's probably quite a lot of battles happened there where quite a lot of people died. Mm. Um, and he was a major part of the chaos that everybody was trying to climb up like a ladder. But um, but equally, I think the point is very well made. You know, mm. they were monsters and so is Daenerys. You know, even if, yeah. even if we take the numbers out of the question, what they've done is monstrous. Yeah, I thought actually when he said that, I, I don't think Tywin's that far away in terms of number yeah, of people. Yeah, yeah, if, you, no, if, you think, if you think about how, you know, his army sacked the city um, when they yeah. took over, not to the same extent as Daenerys did, of course, but there was a sacking and, yeah. um, and there, there were other stories of how sort of the whole Reigns of Castamere story comes from the 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 um, story yeah. that a load of people hid in a castle underground, and he basically just flooded the castle and blocked the exits, killed everyone. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. you know he he has got form, put it that way. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but, like yeah. one understands that Tyrion is a little bit upset, but I feel like he's rhetorically he's letting himself get get run away with there. Hmm. Um. So we the 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 conversation ends with John's obviously. Um, been given a lot to think about by Tyrion but he's still not sure what to do and the final yeah. thing Tyrion does to try and convince him is is to say look you you can make this to be honest I didn't I just thought about this but this is he Tyrion makes the same argument to Jon um, yeah. as Varys kind of makes to Ned at the in the first series in the first oh. season which is you know okay Jon's saying she's my queen I've promised this so whatever happens to me I'm ready to I'm ready to face it same way Ned yeah. said about you know his honor back in, in season one and yeah. Tyrion like Varys says that's all well and good but what about Sansa and Arya yeah. what about what that means for them and that's yeah. what gives John pause in the same way it did for, for for Ned yeah that's absolutely right I hadn't realized that but and he and it was I think it gives us as an audience pause as well, even if we're pulling for John to continue to be the man of honour that we wanted to wanted to see succeed. Mm. Arya and Sansa aren't having any of it, are they? Um, yeah. And it's not going to go well when they refuse to have any of it. Yeah. So John goes to visit Daenerys and um, he gets to the sort of the remains of the Red Keep and the dragon sort of emerges from the snow i thought this was an amazing uh, uh, oh isn't it great i loved it yeah yeah and and i loved it particularly because it really reinforces how much like snow it feels Mm. and and of course we then we have the um uh you know it was a great image of of john being overshadowed by this sort of hidden dragon and but like 
you know, his fortitude walking past something this size rather than just absolutely shit in the bed, which would be completely fair. Um, you know, surprise dragons, that's never a good sentence. <laughs> and um, and and yet, you know, he, he's fine with it. But it was also, it really reinforced how much like snow this ash looks. And which, of course, is extremely significant given uh, the, let's call it Quaith Light, the, <laughs> uh, the, the milksop version of Quaith, the audience-tolerable version of Quaith that everybody got, contained a vision of the Iron Throne room with the wall caved in and snow blowing all over it. Yeah. And, and it's just such a great ambiguous image and the whole thing about, you know, you can't trust prophecy and all of that. Mm. Um, I really loved... I really loved just the the simple setup of this scene was yeah. really good because I remember that image quite grabbing me despite my my despising the Quaith bits, um, yeah. the House of Jealous Lovers bits, um, <laughs> <laughs> where um, where like this was like oh shit the Night's King is going to make it to King's Landing damn and it wasn't that it yeah. was something even worse it was yeah. something even more gut wrenching than the Night's King reaching King's Landing. And again, there is a little bit of sort of ta-da to that on the storyteller's part, which they have absolutely earned. This mm. bit, I thought they absolutely... Oh, the setup, the scene, the scene setting for this, they absolutely earned. The scene itself? Mm. Not sure. So so John arrives and Daenerys sort of explains sort of why she did what she did. And what really struck me about it is there's no defensiveness at all. She doesn't even yeah. feel there's a, a case to answer and yeah. she, she she's sort of trying to explain to John like you try to explain to someone who doesn't sort of grasp a, a complicated idea. You know, yeah. she's trying to patiently explain to him what happened. And yeah. it, can he's saying things like you killed all those people and he's saying, yeah, you know, but that, that was necessary because we've got to build this better world. And, yeah. and I think the, the, the quote that really stood out for me was she says, um, we can't hide behind small mercies. When he asks to save Tyrion, to... Mm. yeah, and that's it's. This is difficult, and this is one of the places where I could have done with a bit more pacing. You know what I mean? Mm. Like we've done Daenerys, like falling off a cliff in terms of her sanity in the first ten minutes of the last episode of the Bells, yeah. and so I haven't really had time to dwell with that long enough to then have it feel like this sort of you know, through the rapids of insanity and in the calm pools on the other side type of madness. Yeah. Um, to really feel like it sticks. Like, I'm kind of waiting to see what kind of mad she is. Because so far what I've seen is that she's the kind of mad that can incinerate a city with a, with a single frown, you know. And, yeah. um, and so this is one of the areas where I felt like the pace of the storytelling was off. And there's yeah. a lot of stuff that happens in this episode and in this series, and to be honest, in the last couple of series, like we said, where the, where the pacing is just off. And I feel like an extra episode here or there, an extra half an episode here or there, would just have got us to a slightly more sort of considered place. Yeah. Or I would, have, yeah. I would have felt this more as a dramatic high point if I didn't have so many potential outcomes to, mm. to think about in this moment. You know, this clearly climactic moment. Um, where I'm still thinking, well, is Daenerys just going to just turn out to have two pencils stuck up her nose and her pants on her head saying she's the capital of Mars Wubble? You know, like, <laughs> how, what kind of mad is she? And we haven't seen that enough. Yeah. And that's quite, that's quite, um, that sort of brought me out of this scene a little bit. Um, but yeah, you're right. The, the line, what is it? We can't hide behind small mercies. Yeah. 
small mercies are all you have. Like, small mercies, you, you can't commit big mercies whilst committing small unmercies. You know what I mean? Like you mm. like the the whole the whole essence of her madness in that sense is, is or that? rather Yeah, exactly. Or right, I suppose if you're gonna try and commit large unmercies, you're supposed to feel sorry for the small mercies that you're obliged to go against in the way in in the run up to them. And she doesn't. She just sees it all as necessary. Mm. And um and, and, and that was nuts. And then yeah. but then you have um and then you have uh, her sense of like girlish excitement. This thing of like, well, I know that you love me and a good world contains you and me in love and having sex and freeing the world. So mm. there's no way it's going to go anything other than this because, look, I've just seen that I can win and I can bring my peace and I can free the world. I just found out I can do it all. And of course you'll be with me. And there's this incredibly naive sense of all the good things, everything's going my way. You know, yeah. while she stands in the ashes of a city that she's just destroyed, yeah, uh, a, a very crazy stuff, eh? Yeah, and she, yeah, she does have this sort of blind spot with John in that she believes that he feels a different way to how he does. She, she believes that she's protected by the fact that he loves her, that he would never do anything to hurt her. She's about to find out that's not true because, um, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. So she again asks him to sort of basically rule with her and yeah. you know come on let's go back together and uh yeah. and this is the final moment where he kisses her and then and then kills her, stabs her in the throne room just like ja- just like jamie did to her dad yeah. and um yeah. and he, he he does the same thing that that jamie had effectively did and kills her to save other people yeah Oh, that's an interesting parallel that I hadn't thought about at all, but you're absolutely right. Here's hope. Well, I suppose this is also, he's doing what Jamie did, but he's not going to go on to have an incestuous relationship because he's already done it. So, progress. <laughs> um, but um, I thought this was incredibly well shot. I thought it was a great sort of cliffhanger thing, and they both acted it really well, where mm. you just don't know who's killed who. And, and I think it takes something quite special to get a series to land on a point like this. Where you're like, here is, here is the end of it, and it could have gone either way, because mm. um, they both look quite pained, obviously for different reasons, and there's definitely this act of violence has gone on, and and he's just said, you know, you're my queen, and you always will be, which seems like a interestingly duplicitous way of doing what he's doing, mm. you know what I mean? Like it's a very un-John Snow thing to do, which I suppose is the point that he's mm. reached the point of being willing to say a complete falsehood in order to get into the position that he needs to be in to do the right thing. Mm. Um, which may be a reflection upon what he did with the, the, the free folk before. Um, maybe that was the, you know, you know, he did learn how to be an undercover agent, all the rest of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the shot where it's a mid shot, you can only see their shoulders and they've just kissed. And then there's the sound of somebody being stabbed. And for 10 seconds, you don't know who it is. Mm. I thought that was great. Yeah. Yeah, we had it with um, Ramsey Bolton and uh, and Roose Bolton, didn't we? A few seasons ago, where they have that thing where they embrace. Oh, I'd forgotten you that. Hear someone, yeah. yeah, you hear someone getting stabbed, and you, for a few seconds, you're not entirely sure who it is. Yeah, um, I was but, much yeah. less much less invested in which one of Roose and Ramsey Bolton died. Though. Like, <laughs> like the well, moment that went in, I was like, "Well, uh, that's half a win, isn't it?" Yeah. <laughs> 
I was much less confused here when I, when I heard the knife go in. I thought this is definitely Daenerys. But um, at first, oh, oh really? When, okay, no, they had me. Honestly, I was I was on a knife edge. Well, I th- I thought when um when it was all going, I thought I think he's going to kill her, and then when they kissed, I thought I, I I thought I can't believe it. I can't believe that he's not killed her. I, I was, yeah. I, I, you know, it's it's gone the other way than I expected, and then he yeah. here and I was like, oh no, hang on a minute. No, he there has. it is. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. See, I, it wasn't that it was going the other way than I expected. It was just that John, like, is clearly going to have to give up one of his principles here. He's either going to have to stay in a sexual relationship with his aunt, which is something <laughs> he's shown himself unwilling to do, quite rightly, um, or he's going to have to um, kill her, basically, yeah. and 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 break an oath. And so yeah. it's it's very much a um, like he's going to have to make one decision. I thought each decision was about as plausible as the other. And certainly when he said "You're my queen and you always will be," and the strings swell and there's kissing, I was mm. like, "Fucking hell, John!" Like <laughs> you know, because there is precedent for this in the, in the, the sort of Song of Ice and Fire universe, where um, uh, actually the the member of the Night's Watch who was called the Night's King, not the not the undead fella, but yeah. the um, there was a guy who basically fell in love with one of the White Walkers and yeah. um, and sort of went off behind the wall and and you know betrayed his entire his entire species essentially, um, and so this kind of does have precedence of you know mm. love just carrying people away, and mm. um, yeah I so I was I was far more on a knife edge than you were I think. yeah uh, the, the the dragon turns up uh, not happy <laughs> not happy oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I Be thought. Honest, I thought the way this. What did this, you think the, was going to happen? I, I, I thought. Yeah, I, I thought the dragon was really well done. Um, mm, you saw the, okay. the sort of the expressions on its face and stuff. I just thought this is about as well as you could possibly do a CGI dragon and have it appear real. Have what it do, do emotions? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I, I, th- I thought that as well. It was very well acted. I'm not sure why the dragon does what the dragon does. Burns down the throne. Yeah, I mean, yeah. don't misunderstand me. I was punching the fucking air because that was that was the second moment where I was like, called it, melts down the Iron Throne. <laughs> Admittedly, <laughs> it was not any kind of suicide pact, but like, that's the way it's got to go, right? That's the way it's got to end because otherwise you're just, you know, you, you that's, that's the big assumption that you have to undermine if you're trying to pull the rug out from under people, that it's the mm. throne that will always endure. So, again, same as last week, thematically, I am bang on board. Plot-wise, what the... Is he a Republican? Like, <laughs> is he like, is he doing the quite complex sequence of reasoning to look at his dead mistress on the floor and not kill the only other living person in the place that could have done it, but instead go, no, no, the problem here is the system. The problem <laughs> here is that the throne itself is the murderer. It must yeah. die. Like Hate the game, I, not the player. Exactly that. And I'm like, okay, fine, great, right on. I agree with you. I'm just not sure that if I was a dragon, I would be capable of that sort of abstract thought process. Yeah. Well, there are two things. The 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 way I I was kind of ready for this to happen because and not because it knew anything about the throne, but because when John arrived, it sort of had, took a look at him, the dragon, and was like, "Oh yeah, you you're all right. Let him go through." Yeah. Because yeah. there's this connection with John, because he's a Targaryen as well. There's this family uh... connection with the dragons. So I thought this was when. Drogon's burning the throat down. This is basically he sees Daenerys is dead, and it's kind of like he can't attack Jon because of the connect that the family connection. It's like oh, because well, he's Targaryen. Something... Actually, he'd survive, wouldn't he? Like, 
Because isn't that uh, I, their I don't know. basically Targaryens? I, I, I'm not sure if that if you if you fireproof as a just because you're Targaryen isn't, or just that was something no. unique to Daenerys. But I think oh, regardless, okay. I think he, the the dragons like. Do you know like how if there's there's loads of scenes in in other sort of films and stuff where someone's really angry and upset and they can't attack the person in the room, but they sort of smash the room up around them as a sort of yeah. as an alternative, as a proxy, just yeah. to ex- express their emotions. And I thought that's what the dragon was doing. But um, yeah, there are other people I, who, who who have read it, as you said, where dragons are supposed to be more intelligent than everyone gives them credit for, and yeah. he's he's basically looking at the thing that's killed his his mum because she's been so obsessed with this and that's yeah. what's turned her into this monster. So there's two ways if, if you can read it, but I think, yeah, it's a bit more of a stretch for that second reading. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think yours is much more plausible and much more reasonable. Um, I, I think I think the thing with Targaryens was that they kind of had a bond with dragons because they could survive the initial quite robust friend-making process. Like, <laughs> and actually... Aren't they also supposed to be like flying furnaces as well? Like the TV series hasn't done this very much, but in the books they're also like hot to the touch. So to mm. sit on them, you've got to have either incredible, incredibly good, you know, tinfoil underwear, or you've got to be fireproof, basically. Um, well, but, you're but, right, that- but but all those the they did sort of a, a, a Chinook airlift out of um, out of the north, didn't they? And a lot of people jumped on board Drogon. Oh uh, yeah, solid. So I don't, maybe he was, maybe he was just a bit cold, you know. It's there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, you maybe. are right. No, f- fair enough. I, I, an answerable yeah. question, maybe. But um, but I definitely see the I'm not going to attack you because you're all right, and you know there's a I don't know. But yeah, the um the idea of um smashing up the room around him is still quite emotionally complicated for a dragon. But then mm. again, the the problem with that sentence is the words for a dragon. Yeah, you know, in this know. story universe, you do whatever <laughs> you want, can't you? So. <laughs> Not like I have an external standard for dragon psychology to refer to in this. Yeah. So, yeah, no, no. So I thought it was, um, I mean, as I say, thematically very powerful. I just wish they'd put in a few more episodes. And actually looking back, I wish they'd done that across the last couple of series, to be honest, of just yeah. adding in a few more things, just to let it breathe, just to establish these things a bit more. And then to make, because I feel like this was the right bullet point with the wrong paragraph written in before it. And yeah. uh, and and it just yeah. And what happens afterwards? I'm totally nonplussed by. I do not understand at all. Like, yeah. wh- where does he fly off to with Daenerys? What what is what's that about? Know. And why? Like Dragonstone? Like, is she going to become the Night's Queen? <laughs> I, I, I got I got the feeling they were just off 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 like to way way just, away. Like the dragons yeah. just thinking right. I'm peace out i I have no interest in this this land anymore i'm I'm out of here i'm taking my second mum with me yeah i guess but and then again we come into this whole thing of dragons you know in this episode in this scene the dragon has to go from being a flying nuke to being a flying nuke with like as a complex jungian archetype you know what i mean like it's Mm. like sort of complicated psychological model and that's a feels a bit much like where Mm. does he go why? Like so far, we've just seen these things be completely ferocious, and so and they they've flown off freelance and cooked children and, and livestock and all of this. You know what I mean? Like they've they've done that, so they're clearly capable of attacking things without Daenerys telling them to. Mm. Um, so where to and why and why doesn't he just absolutely lay waste in grief? You know, mm. and as I say, it's an unanswerable question because we're talking about a fictional dragon. 
yeah. there's no precedent for his behaviour. So I do think that again, there's a hole there. I'd be interested in. Uh, the next the scene is sort of uh, presumably a, a some time later because the, like you say, the weather's <laughs> changed and yeah. Tyrion's brought before this council of lords. So a lot of people have come down from all parts of, of the yeah, Seven Kingdoms. I, I think they say it's three weeks later or like right. he says, like Tyrion, Tyrion, you know, I've been in that cell for three weeks or something like that. Right, okay, yeah. And yeah. Um, they, they have this like discussion of what to do next and it turns out that the Unsullied have basically Tyrion and and John in chains and they're waiting to decide what to do. It's remarkably um, restrained for the Unsullied. Yeah, I and thought I don't that, see yeah. any reason why the Unsullied would say, you know who we need to make a decision here is the rest of the Lords of Westeros. Like, they've, they've been in Westeros for 20 minutes. Why on earth would they say, well, we need the, the local... What is this? This sort of, you know, the nice, cuddly UN local participation version of this. Like... Yeah. They, they're, they're hardly well, going to say, I trust these guys to make good decisions. Yeah, I think the, the only thing that makes it work for me with that is the whole point of the Unsullied is that they don't really make their own decisions and they, they've just been, oh. they always been conditioned just to follow the orders of the boss. And when the boss and dies, no they're like, boss. Uh, right, who's the new boss then? Because <laughs> yeah. that's, how, that's how they sort of operate. Yeah. So that they're trying... And, and, and that sort of, I suppose... That makes sense in in how quickly Grey Worm goes along with this idea of picking a new king because that's how he understands how things yeah. get done. You need a boss, okay? Yeah. Let's work out who it is. Absolutely, um, okay, okay. So, but this now brings me to a question, right? Mm. Which is, okay, so that's what the Unsullied have done because we've set that up well in the Unsullied. You know, the nature of their leadership is always to be told exactly what to do and to do it without questioning um tell you who else is there who 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 really doesn't take that kind of an approach right it, the dothraki <laughs> yeah where the hell have the dothraki gone and <laughs> they're, they're they must just be really angry because they have this strong <laughs> sense of personal fealty to this queen that's brought them to this place they've wanted to invade forever and never been able to get their horses across the water and so now what yeah <laughs> Yeah, like, it does feel yeah. like we lost a scene there, but I, I just assume that they are just marauding around Westeros now, just lay waste to whatever they can find. I'd imagine that's going to be the first sort of 30 years of Bran's reign. He's going <laughs> to be just trying to deal with the Dothraki. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good point. Um, yeah. Da- Davos tries to offer uh, Grey Worm, like, he says, oh, start your own house. And Grey Worm's like, Mate, I'm a eunuch. How long is that gonna last? Okay, you know, we're all eunuchs. Yeah, <laughs> one yeah. generation house. Yeah, so, no, so, yeah. I, but I, but I quite like that as a, as a thing because it's. I mean, I, obviously, it's it's funny, but this like the because obviously Bran. Did they say Bran can't father children? Right. Yeah, so I saw a good thing about this where. Um, it's sort of, Sansa says that and out of nowhere, and Bran's just like, "Oh, come on, <laughs> I don't need <laughs> don't, to say that. <laughs> don't cut me down that way." Um, but so, like, but I quite like that. This is a settlement again thematically. I'm giving this such an easy ride because it really scratches my itches, like for what I believe about good political systems. Yeah. But basically, it's it's really cool that there's this that that they develop this system of government that doesn't depend upon who you can shag and who you can kill you know mm. that it's it's a step away from monarchy and a step towards 
I mean, not democracy, obviously, because they laugh that out of the room because they're all a bunch of aristocrats. But um, uh, but they, um, it's a step away from absolute monarchy in the same way as the English monarchy was still absolute after Magna Carta, except it wasn't because they had to pay attention to what all the lords said. Yeah, and and that is actually became a really important, you know, foundation stone for all of the democratic reforms that have followed since then over the intervening 800 years um you know and the system's still not perfect but it's but i just i found that thematically really really cool that they did it and so bran can't have kids so although he is the he is the the green the whatever he is the three-eyed crow right so yeah. they tend to live for a fair old while right <laughs> yeah i was thinking that i was thinking do, right. do they know what they're getting themselves in for here in yeah. terms of how long <laughs> right. this guy might survive <laughs> yeah i mean i suppose the the other three-eyed raven or certainly in the books he survives because he's basically become part of a tree and he can't yeah. move like that's yeah. not true in the tv series so much but yeah. um uh but you know nonetheless it still seems like i think he might live for quite a long time you know yeah um, yeah so so yeah. i like that i agree with this thing yeah sam's laughed out of the room for suggesting some kind of like complete <laughs> democracy which does make I, yeah. I i'm glad that did happen because yeah, you know, it, it wouldn't would be very realistic too, if they uh, all sort of turned yeah. around and said, "Oh, you know, yeah, let's give everyone a vote." So yeah. it's sort of, ba- I think the the sort of the the best we could have hoped for is sort of this sort of first steps towards something a bit more representative than yeah. absolute rule from a from a king. And it presents uh, something really, really great that friends of mine, particularly from the US, often don't get about the UK, which is that this is how the British Constitution has evolved. There's never mm-hmm. been a moment where we've just said, "Right, fuck it all." and rewrite it from with a blank sheet of paper it's always been these like small incremental changes that are acceptable to everybody at the time Mm. that move us generally speaking have been moving the united kingdom towards you know better representation of all people engagement of all citizens in the operation of the state and all the rest of it and that's very very contrary particularly to the american experience where it is right throw the tea in the harbor set the building on fire and fight the lads in red you know <laughs> and that's that's how you get it done uh, mm. and you know you know, you have to say it works out for him but yeah. um but but there is a different thing here as well you know um and and I quite like this as a presentation of what that what that looks like yeah two members of the council here we should give a special mention to Ugh. uh bronze john royce yeah drink <laughs> and uh sweet sweet robin turn up sweet robin oh, getting a lot of love looking... sweet yeah. robin getting a lot, lot of love from the community about how quickly he's grown up and uh yeah it, it well looks it's a lot better we than did... he did before i was gonna say and we did have that intermediate sweet robin scene didn't we two series ago where it's like oh he's hit puberty same as brand right fair enough yeah um but, but i i thought he was allowed to look entirely too suave you know what I mean? He's he was entirely too. He was the sort of nineteen twenties Monte Carlo playboy version of Sweet Robin. <laughs> and I think we all know that Sweet Robin, once his mother died, was getting nothing but like buckets of cold slop to eat. And you know, Bronze John Royce palpably had nothing but contempt for the man. And mm. um, uh, and so like the fact that he's there making this decision was a bit like, oh, is it? Great, mm. great, glad to hear it good mm. he's definitely the person i want on the decision making body but then again that's the point isn't it like that you know if you're gonna have you know if you have an absolute monarchy you've got to hope that the monarch is good but mm. then if you have a sort of you know peerage based like you know aristocracy based governance thing you've got to hope all the lords are good 
and yeah. it's very realistic that you end up with like a, you know an astonishingly entitled literally enfant terrible kind of wanker of a character like robin sitting mm. there at the end where a wiser man would have been you know much more much more desirable um yeah. having an influence in the way the country's going to go out um, in which uh, circumstance we can all say thank god that sadamos was there yeah so they've got to pick a king um Edmure Tully, remember him? He st- stands up, throws <laughs> oh, his hat into the ring. Goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! Oh, this was just so well acted and so well played. And I love the fact that they cast this bloke in this role because he wasn't great as a potential sort of lord character, but for this scene alone, he's completely perfect as the sort of, you know, the kind of prospective member for the Tory party from Little Wittering on the Wold, kind of going, I hope I have no little knowledge of statesmen. <laughs> so as it's statecraft and some sort of experience. And you can see everybody around the, around the circle going, I can't believe this. Are we going to have to... None of the rest of us stood up. So he stood up. So if he gets this, it's fucking hell. We've got one chance to hit the reset button on this palpably insane system of government and it's going to be Edmure Tully. God help us. <laughs> I like how he says is a, is a veteran of two wars. I mean, he was in a no, dungeon for half of the first one and for all of the second one. <laughs> all of the second one. And he didn't have the martial nous to avoid his entire family being slaughtered at his wedding. <laughs> yeah, so he gets shut down pretty quickly. Oh, um, and, Sansa, and hats off. Yeah, Sansa and me have had a, a strained relationship throughout much of this narrative, but for that alone, Sansa, hats off. Yeah. And they move on to decide who. And the Entyrian suggests Bran. Uh, he calls him Bran the Broken. And uh, yeah. I saw some good stuff on, online about that, where it's like, it's Bran the Broken. And Bran's like, just just Bran, that's fine. Just Bran will do it, thanks. <laughs> Bran. But then he gets called it later on as well, doesn't he? And he's like, oh. <laughs> You can't oh, fight man. the branding, can you? I've got. I do it one time, guys. One time, I get drunk on a night out and I throw up everywhere, and I'm sick boy forever. You know, it's that thing. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's um, it's. I thought it was a really good argument, and I I did for a moment kind of want it to come off with Tyrion on the throne because I sort of mm. called it. But at the same time, he makes the excellent point that that's not what he's for, and I think yeah. it's worth saying that um, he. To Tyrion, broken things have a different emotional resonance than they do for other people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think he's saying Bran is broken, and that's why we need him. Um, yeah. You know, we need a different, and he's right. Of course, we need somebody on the throne who isn't going to spend all of his time obsessed about who he's shagging or who he's been killing, and yeah. who's able to make make decent decisions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So they go around saying, do, do we all go for Bran? And they all go, aye. And Gendry's there. And he said, Gendry's just happy to be there. He'd have said aye yeah. to anyone. He's just no, like, aye. Gendry, yeah. Gendry looked the part, actually, I thought. The one I love that is, the, the reason that my favourite character that I, around this table, the reason that, that he is my favourite character, is uh, Sir Davos. Because he goes, I'm not even sure I get a vote, but yeah. And like, <laughs> Davos, who else is going to sit in that chair with that wisdom? Who else can have done what you have done in this army, in this in this war? Like, you know, getting people in, getting people out, keeping them alive, never looking for glory to yourself. Who else should be in that chair? But of course, the reason he deserves to be in that chair is, the, is that he goes, is it me? All right, then, okay. Yeah, we'll do yeah. Like, Gendry's great. Gendry's, Gendry looks the part, actually, in this, I thought. And like, I was a bit 
I was a bit nervous about him as Lord of Dragonstone. But I noticed yeah. he's not there doing what Daenerys made him Lord of Dragonstone in order to do, which was to be loyal to me. He's sitting there going, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Ding dong, the witch is dead, and I've still got my castle. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's this, oh, this discussion. Bran gets the election. Um, although they all say yes, and then Sansa's like, well, actually, you're going to need to give us my independence and Bran's like yep yeah. done no problem if I done. go to king it's um, surprisingly like I don't really know how I feel about that still do you know what I mean like Sansa as queen in the north we see this later like I understand why she wants to do it but it's mm. still winter like I do get the impression that it would have helped quite a lot um, to have food coming from the south mm. um, uh, but also like I know it just feels weird to have two different siblings on the throne of two different countries. Although that has happened mm. in the past, actually, hasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I quite like. I quite liked it. I mean, I do think. I mean, if I was Yara, I'd be gutted. Be like, shit. Why didn't I ask for that? I asked for that before. Yeah. I got it from yeah. one queen, and I've, I've just yeah. sort of given it up here. And I also think yeah. this 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 random guy from Dawn, who we never get introduced to. I'm yeah. surprised he doesn't have anything to say either. I, yeah. You know what? What I thought coming away from this was, it's great for Sansa. I think Bran is creating problems for himself in the next yeah. few years as everybody else sort of turns around and thinks, you know what? We could have a bit of independence as well because yeah. we're not really well, that maybe, attached to, maybe, to, maybe, to the king anyway. Maybe they devolve that into a federal, a set of federal republics. You know, that would be all right as well. Like, you know, I'm, I'm down. I'm down. I, I actually yeah. thought the North... Given that the sort of arc of the moral story of this last little bit, anyway, has been about um, absolute monarchs will definitely burn you alive, basically, mm. uh, one way or another. Um, I actually think that the ending in the North is quite down, downbeat because they remain an absolute monarchy, and we haven't seen absolute monarchies work out terribly well in Westeros, mm. and and even in the North, you know, the existence of the Karstark family. And the Boltons. And, you know, it's not like they're without problems around noble houses. And mm. and Sansa basically goes, fuck it, don't need any of your help, and I don't want it, and I don't want any of this devolved stuff. I'm going back to the old system. And I'm not sure how well that'll work out. It counts as a happy ending, I suppose. Mm. Although I'm still not sure where she's supposed to have gained the ability to actually rule the North. You know what I mean? She, can't fight. She hid in the catacombs during the the battle, uh, the, the battle of Winterfell. Um, I, th- know, I like, think I, I think I'm that does sure. a, a big disservice. I think there's quite a lot of the last couple of seasons has shown that Sansa's sort of molded into a real leader, and sort of for for most of the last couple of seasons as well, Jon's been off doing other things, and she's effectively been running the North. the North. Yeah, mm. so I think she's. I, I'd say that's. She, she's ready to sort of do that now, it's, at least as well as anybody else. She's just as well qualified as anyone else could think. I mean, I, I, no arguments there. I'm not saying there's a better nobleman knocking about anywhere. I'm just, I don't know. I just, there is something, when push comes to shove, there's something in the sort of sulky tone of voice that Sophie Turner <laughs> adopts when playing Sansa that just means that I, I fundamentally don't believe in her as an effective leader. Yeah. Um, and I also think there's a lot of things that she's done that's impressive that... that are impressive because of other people, you know. Um, uh, but 
uh, equally, like, that's not my major problem. My major problem with this is that I think absolute monarchy equals tragedy at the end of this story, and so yeah. it's a bit difficult to see the North kind of go off into it. Then again, here I am sitting here worrying about all these other lords. Do you notice that this incredibly complicated realm, you know, covered in lords and houses and names and banners and all the rest of it, and sub-lords and liege lords and overlords and the rest of it, have now boiled down to this quite small coffee meeting of about eight people? And oh, yeah. that that's it. Buds. I'm like, where, where, where's everybody else? Like, like maybe Sansa doesn't need to worry about the castards. Maybe they were all eaten alive by zombies. Who can say? Hmm. Um, you know, like, so there is slightly one of the things that's been going on in this series, and I understand why, is that they've dramatically tightened the focus. But hmm. that means that they have. I'm, st- I'm not really sure how this plays into the world anymore. I'm not really sure how it works hmm. as a conclusion to the story. Yeah, because I don't well, the, know. The, if the, any the of world, these the world's always set up with the world's always set up with this kind of power structure, though, where you have you have lords and they all answer to a big lord like Warden of the North or Warden of the South or, or Prince of Dawn or whatever, yeah, and then yeah. they answer to the king. So mm. it kind of makes sense that you'd have your your top the, your top tier of lords would be making the decision because they're the ones yeah, but, who but, always go with the king, and then the rest of them will have to just do what they say. Yeah, but okay, but Brienne is there. Like, like if she's if she's Lord of Bear Island, which yeah. she isn't. But yeah, if there, she there, is, there if is, everybody there is else, a, if Tarth, yeah. if, if she's Lord of Tarth, Tarth is not a major seat. So why is she there? Sir Davos doesn't have a seat, does he? He's just <laughs> no. he's the Onion Knight. You know what I mean? Like he's Bro- Bronze he was, John Rice. What's he doing there? <laughs> yeah, well, quite in his undented breastplate, um, like. You know, there's there's actually quite a lot of stuff in this like in this resolution. The people who are here are here because they're characters we like. Gendry, yeah. ironically, he should be there. Dragon, uh, uh, Storm's End, big deal. You know, you've mm. got Dawn, you've got the Eyrie, um, you've got Tyrion, I suppose, as the last remaining Lannister. Um, you know, nobody, nobody from the, no phrase in the neck. Who took over the neck? Who can say? Um, Bronn's not there, even though Bronn turns out to be a big a big noise in the next scene. You know, he's oh, a high yeah, guy, yeah, but he's not yeah, here he's casting a vote, guy. is he? Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I do feel, I agree that the feudal system logic means that you probably could get away with this few people, but they're not the right people. They're there because of what they've done in the plot rather than because of mm. what they are in the politics. And for a series that justifies a lot of its stuff in like, oh, well, it's just a broad world. It's a storytelling world, isn't it? It's not just one plot. Um, yeah. Like, this feels like a failure of that broad world. Yeah. So, so they offer Bran the um, they offer Bran the job, and this is funny because not more than two episodes ago, Tyrion has, has said, you, "You should be king. You should be sort of Lord of Winterfell." And he's like, "No, I'm the I'm the three eyed raven. I couldn't possibly take what's that king? Yep, I'll do that. <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> I'll do <a> bit of that." <laughs> It's like, yes, the three-eyed raven should be... Oh, by the way, doesn't his power rest upon weirwoods, which are expressions of the old gods that never made it this far south? So how's he going to do his thing? Is no, it, I, th- I, th- this... I think I think he's old. Like, when he's learning, I think the weirwood trees are kind of like your training wheels because <laughs> he's, he's, started, he's, he's started knowing stuff for a lot, for, for quite a... Quite a last couple of seasons, there's a lot of stuff that he's found out that, that yeah. are nowhere near weirwood trees. So I think he's just sort of, yeah, that's sort of a like a like I said, like stabilizers. <laughs> yeah, taking them off now. Maybe so. And I, I feel like a lot of this actually hinges around whether or not um, 
whether or not Bran can see the future. Mm. Um, because if it does, like I've got there's a couple of pieces of feedback that have come in, which are kind of are like you know I'm into this because if this was what was going on the whole time, then you have to let everything else play out in order to get to this point. Mm. Um, but I'm not convinced. Yeah, like you, I feel it's a little bit like kind of no, I am beyond the constraints of human what throne. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's a there's a darker reading of it which some people have suggested, which is was as as everyone basically just been played by Bran, so he has he just been doing all this to get on the throne himself? Quite a you know, fucking every trick time, to play yeah, everybody uh, uh, in a kingdom by leaving <laughs> it for three series and putting yourself in mortal danger of being ripped apart by the undead. That yeah. doesn't seem like a terribly smart tactical move. Yeah, every time someone's died for him, he's been like, "Thank you." Got me a little yep. closer to the throne. Playing so, the long chaos game. Chaos is a ladder. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he was saying that. Maybe he was saying that approvingly. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. Actually, that that plays, doesn't it? He says that to Baelish, and Baelish thinks he's being called out or condemned. And Bran's like, "No, no, 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 no! What I meant to say was, I'm your biggest fan." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Somewhat. One of the funniest things I saw about this about Bran was, uh, someone said. To, uh, no one's thought about the the how the West Lothian question applies here, yeah. which is a really obscure <laughs> uh, British issue. Which is not to go too far into it. We've got Scotland's got devolved powers, so I mean, but we still take MPs from Scotland, which means basically a Scottish MP can vote on English schools, for example, but an English MP can't vote on Scottish schools because it's devolved. So they're saying, yeah, because Bran from the North can now make decisions in the South but no one in the South can make decisions about the North. It's a problem. <laughs> that is true. Maybe maybe that's George Martin's genius. Maybe maybe. He, maybe he decided this was the great political drama, you know, having aped the rise and fall of the Tudors and the Stuarts and, and thrown a thick layer of zombies on top. Maybe his <clears> last <throat> move is to audaciously examine the constitutional consequences of devolution in the British state. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I um, doubt it. But <laughs> can we just take a moment to... Uh, feel for Grey Worm here, who is well and truly shafted in terms of justice. <laughs> Tyrion's released and made hand of the king. Yeah, and John and John, John sent like, north back back oh, to the job that hell. he liked doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, like I. But but again, Grey Worm seems very comfortable with this. And again, mm. I, you know, I, I say you know he's into it because it's a, it's an order. I'm a touch more worried about it, if I'm mm. honest. Because I feel like, you know, the the uh, the, the Dothraki, again, they're not going to be happy about this. Mm. But, um, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Have you got an issue with there still being a Night's Watch? Some people have said, why is the one? I mean, oh, I, yeah, I'd, ab- I'd suggest... Absolutely. I'd suggest like, there's, still, there's still a wall, and the north north of the wall is still sort of a... An unknown sort of bad slag rough area, so <laughs> it doesn't... It make, makes sense to protect the border, I'd, I'd suggest. It... Yes, although I don't notice that anybody's putting anything into like rebuilding it, and the scene later sort of implies that Jon Snow is the only person in the Night's Watch. But actually, I have I have the call it call it the uh, the West Surrey question about this, which is what the balls is what the balls is Westeros doing, claiming jurisdiction over a security force of a different state far to the north. Like, if that's the argument, then that's the that's the northern border of the north. Oh so, yeah, good point. Yeah, what the hell is no longer part of Westeros? Um, yeah, uh, but also John in his little in his in his homely play out 
kind of story. Turns up at Castle Black, and there's not there's not a, a, a Night's Watch brother to be seen. It's all wildlings. So, like, so what's going on there then? Did it was that just like a sort of legal fiction to get him out of jail, and then it's just like, yeah, just fuck off north, would you? Uh, I thought I thought there were some Night's Watchers up there, just sort of mixed in with the wildlings. Because I've heard this about saying, oh, John just got up to the, the north and left. But I, I thought what he did was, I thought the point of that was. There is a Night's Watch, it's depleted, but there is one. There's a lot of wildlings yeah. there who are heading back north of the wall. But yeah. be- he's he's riding out with them because what the Night Watch is going to become is effectively yeah. a kind of border police force which works with the wildlings rather than sort of this sort of this, this aggression and this antagonism between the Night's Watch and the wildlings is ended yeah. now. And, you yeah. know, what John's job will be as Lord Commander of the Night's Watch now would be being in Castle Black, but then going out to the various you know communities nearby to check everything's okay around Crest there, keeping, going to keeping the peace keep, and all that sure stuff. Making sure nobody's shagging anybody they should be shagging. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And uh, just sort of being uh, an early warning sign if, if some, some other bad stuff's breaking up north. That's Well, I mean, that's a really interesting uh, take. I really love the idea of like part of what he's doing is he's responsible for constructing the Fist of the First Men Visitor Centre. So yeah, yeah exactly. About, yeah, you know, yeah. The, the heritage, the heritage, the heritage of tourism. <laughs> heritage tourism is being managed by the Night's Watch now. Um, <laughs> I thought the gate closing behind him felt more final than that. Yeah, and because you do that when you've got to defend the damn thing, don't you? That's right? true. So, like that, what it felt like to me was him turning up, and the free folk. He's getting. He's always had this affinity for the free folk, and he's been well and truly shafted by all of the more complicated power games that mm. are played further south of the wall. So this is where he's always wanted to be. It feels like there is people, you know. And it actually brings the whole storyline of him marching with the Free Folk into much more kind of emotional resonance. Because mm. it basically means that now what John John basically says, yeah, I'm a Targaryen and a Stark, and I want nothing to do with the system's power in either the south or the north. Mm. And these are my peeps. And I'm just going to go out roaming with him. So let's go. Yeah. Let's go range. So I sort of the only slight mark against that is that he, when he leaves King's Landing, he is accompanied by two people in in costumes from the uniforms from the uh, the Night's Watch. So I don't know where those two yeah. guys went. Maybe that and, maybe and, they didn't make it all the way north. Yeah, but, and um, he's, he's, he says to Arya, "Come visit." It sounds like he's planning to stay there rather than like yeah. just, just bail. Hang on, um, did um no 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 no. Hang on a minute. Benjamin said that to him in the first episode, didn't he? He said, "Come and visit," and that's yeah, yeah. why they do in episode two. So, yeah. um, so I, maybe it's a you know that's a callback. That's a you know I've gone into my calling in the north, but um, I don't know. I, I I don't know, but I definitely read it as a I have left behind the corruption of this system, and I believe far more in the sort of family based, you know, mm. the sort of broad community of mutual support that's going on in the north with the free yeah. folk, and I've got a bromance going on with Tormund, so I'm set. And I thought I, I, I was I found that quite quite nice, really, as good an ending as I could have hoped for. I thought the closing gate that made me laugh a bit. I was like, I felt it was a bit like the people of sort of south of the wall saying to the wildlings, "Thanks for your help with the Night's King and all that." Uh, there you go, yeah. back north. Uh, if we ever see your faces south again, we're going to fucking kill you all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's definitely yeah, that's definitely a read of that. 
and the fact that John's marching out with them and smiling about it makes me feel a bit like, you know, he's if, like, if, if, okay, I'll be king beyond the wall. Because then he gets to, yeah. he will be, you know, he will lead them and he'll be king beyond the wall. And yeah, and that's, it, you know, that's, that's what he is. It reminded me of that bit in Jurassic Park where, uh, in, in the Lost World, where Thorn goes outside and you see the click as they lock the door behind him <laughs> so he can't come back in. <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> yeah, but yeah, no, I, yeah. I, th- I think true. I think you, you can read it either way. That is, um, that is, is leaving to go north, or he's sort of taking charge of a sort of a different kind of Night's Watch. Um, the Unsullied, meanwhile, they're off to North, um, good a place as any. They've, they're Love they're that. another one who's Beach just sort holiday. of they're fed up with um right. with what's going on, and they're so off. so that that is quite touching because that's where that's where um Missandei was from, right? Hmm. Right, so there's been this callback. You know, he's going to go and get on the boat, even though even though the the woman he wanted to share it with is no longer there to enjoy his retirement with him. But Narth is is a, a non-combative place. It's one of these places where they don't do war, right? Which mm, is why they yeah. don't get captured, right? So I do wonder what the response of the people of Narth is going to be to an indeterminate number, apparently thousands of. <laughs> heavily armed warrior eunuchs turning up is going to be because it's like um we can't fight them obviously and as it turns out we can't shag them either so i mean do we set up holiday camps is that what we do (laughs) like like i wonder about how well received they're going to be on nath without misende there to be like it's all right they're with me yeah free army (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because what we want is an army. You know what I mean. But of course, of course, thematically, it's great because it's this bunch of people who've been brutalized into being killing machines are now going to a place where there is no war, so they're mm. fine. And actually, it means that if, if any if any slaver from Marine turns up with a with a glint in his eye and a likely idea of getting some cheap merchandise, he is going home with his tail between his legs. And I think we can all be very happy about that. <laughs> Um, Aya's decision is to, as we just said, she uh, is going to go off exploring. She spin off. And she, sorry, what? Sorry, I said spin off. Oh, spin off. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she she's off. Uh, this is a sort of. It was mentioned earlier on in the series where she she asked what's west of of Westeros and this idea and like this this sort of motivation to go exploring was planted those sort of seeds and that, yeah. that that's how her story is going to end i thought that was quite a there's quite a few examples here in this episode where things happen that i didn't expect but when they happen i thought oh yeah that does make sense i just didn't think of it and and this is this is it felt like a, a good ending for aya yes it did and I, so there was a bit of me that felt a bit like oh right um okay bye then like I, it hadn't I didn't really feel the setup so well, hmm. but um, I actually found this incredibly moving because I think this is one of George's bullet points, and I think he's doing it as a callback to um, the Narnia book, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, which hmm. has this whole thing of this this um, ship sailing into the West without knowing what it's like and what it into the east sorry is in narnia like the big sea is in the east Mm. so they're 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 sailing further and further and further east and there's this really emotional moment at the end of the journey where there's this kind of there's this preposterous character this this talking mouse who's a kind of parody of um you know the kind of classic 
Victorian idea of chivalry, uh, you know, a couple mm. of hundred years beforehand, called Reapy Cheap, who even has a little needle-shaped sword, by the way. And um, uh, and is nobody thinks that they're, that he's worthy of respect as a warrior, but he's always got this most exaggerated sense of manners and actually turns out when they have a battle to be quite a badass. And, um, and they leave him behind because they get basically to the end of the world. They get to this point where it's not quite the edge, but you can't sail any further in the kind of it's almost like an on-ramp to the cosmos and and it's really beautifully described and um he goes this is what i'm this is what i'm here for mm. like i this is what my life has been about has been this journey and this on-ramp and this carrying on outwards and i'm going to carry on going outwards and everybody else just wants to turn home and go back home and he's like no this is who this is what i'm for this is what i'm about i'm going this way and and i found that very very moving because it's really nicely sketched and it's a narnia book so it's done pretty briefly it's certainly not done at the sort of length that tolkien would have done or george martin would have done but i think this is a reapy cheap ending and because i love the narnia books i really loved it i thought it was really quite lovely and moving and mm. we have actually kind of seen it set up there's the needle thing and there's the fact that nobody respects her as a fighter but then there is also the um uh, there's the bit about I'm not a lady, you know what I mean? Like she, her her future can't be within this feudal system, um, mm. and and it turns out not to be. It turns out to be in pushing the boundaries of the world, and that feels like a very aria ending. Yeah, uh, we cut to Brienne in the the White Tower. She's now the uh, I think the head of the Kingsguard. And yeah. she's writing Jamie's entry in his book. Oh, this was uh, <clears throat> all the feels, all I, the feels. Yeah, I thought this was this was this was lovely. Um, the way she writes, sort of the end of he died protecting his queen, and um, yeah. she's just sort of she's restoring his rep. Despite what sort of happened personally with them, she's yeah. re- sort of restoring his reputation in history, which uh, I thought was a lovely way to end her story. As also yes. like she's in the position that she'd she'd want as well. She'd always want, which is the 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 top sort of. The, the top knight position in the in the kingdom yeah. and she ends up with that yeah, yeah. Felt, felt about it's, right for her absolutely it's perfect for her it's a reconciliation between her and jamie all sorts of wealth in the on the freeze frames in those um uh, when reading through that book of the the kingsguard records like i was enjoying reading those um mm. and it was it it was nice and it was justified and it was good but this was the point where it did all start to feel a little bit end of return of the king like yeah, there's yeah. going to be a there's a more egregious example coming up, but this was the first of them where I was like, yeah, no, okay, I can, I can. You haven't been telling the story this way for the whole time, but it's the end, okay. No, this is all right. <laughs> there's been some good, um, there's been some good memes on doing the rounds on Twitter about what she's writing in this book about Jamie, like, like <laughs> revenge stuff. Like she's putting like, <laughs> so it's yeah, like, he was yeah, a knob end. He yeah. started crying. Yeah, no, that, that was one of the ones. She's like, um, yeah, um, came within 10 seconds, then cried <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't pleasure a woman if his life depended upon it. Zero stars. Yeah. Um, we move into the uh, the new sort of small council room where the, the, the they're all meeting, so the new small council, so... so Tyrion's the hand, and some more, uh, some more sort of new members. Sam is Grand Maester. Davos Way! Master of Ships. Uh, Bronn, Master of Coin. Uh, who else? Oh, with no Master of Whisperers. 
or um, yeah. must or army yet or law. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong with the <laughs> I note again un un unaccounted for Dothraki army knocking about? We don't have a Lord <laughs> no, yeah. of War yet. Like <laughs> probably the first hire would be Lord of War. Yeah, yeah, you'd thought so. Yeah, um, Sam being Grand Master, Grand Maester, um, my, yeah. my, my, my brother messaged me saying that there have got to be a lot of people down in Old Town furious about this sudden sort of <laughs> sudden appointment. Yeah. He's like, he's got... the last time the last time they saw him, he was stealing some books from the library, and now yeah. he's the Grand Maester. <laughs> and, and he was the guy sweeping the floors and stuff as well. Like he was yeah. a very very junior person. So did they all die? Again, this is my yeah. question about the other lords. You know, are they all dead? Because no. he's got a chain around his neck, and they're supposed to forge this chain over time. And so, by the time you get to be Grand Maester, he's supposed to have this massive clunking thing that's like a physical testament yeah. to your knowledge and, he's and just wisdom. He's got a keyring. And he's got a keyring. Exactly, <laughs> he's got a keyring around his neck made out of tinfoil. And so, so everybody else is just fine with it. It would seem. Yeah. Jim um, Jim Broadbent is fuming down there. <laughs> Absolutely fuming. <laughs> Jim Broadbent is as unavuncular as Jim Broadbent ever gets. No sugar in your tea. Doesn't offer you sugar. No, no, no. That's how bad it is for him. Um, yeah. yeah, he's yeah. Oh goodness. Uh, I just I I, I cannot. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it, it was lovely, and you know, Maester such and such called it a song of ice and fire, and I helped him with the title and all of that sort of thing, because um, that was one of the jokes that was going around as well, wasn't it? In the early part of the series, was people yeah. people saying, "I bet you it's 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 Sam Tarly at the end writing up yeah. a song of ice and fire," um, and so it it did kind of happen. Although I do like that Tyrion's not in it. Like, it's it, there's a really interesting sort of point about history here, isn't it? Of like. Mm. You know, you write the history, and the history that people remember is what gets written down. So people won't remember that Jamie was quote hateful. Yeah. They'll remember what what uh, whatever scurrilous stuff Brienne wrote about him. But then Tyrion won't appear in the history of A Song of Ice and Fire, and he'll be forgotten, or he'll be remembered as a hand of the king, perhaps. You know, like it's, it feels like an interestingly low key way of dealing with this character, whose character arc for me has always been about rising against, you know, being written off essentially yeah i didn't like that actually because i thought that was just just a stretch too far for realism it's like okay yeah. you know maybe bron doesn't get in it but yeah. Tyrion's been hand of the king twice and, <laughs> hand, and, and hand for daenerys as well yeah and i just thought there's no way you could write a history of 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 this of the of the five kings and of what's happened throughout the series, yeah. and not put him in it. You, can't, you just can't. You couldn't do it. I, I can understand it. Like he may be a, a smaller part than maybe he plays re- in real life, but yeah. there's no way any historian writing a book that thick could possibly not mention not Tyrion. Not mention Tyrion. <laughs> <laughs> so yep. it just, I think, it just yep. made the maester sound like an absolute moron. Um, but, yeah, you know, yeah. it's. It is what it yeah, is. Yeah, no. Well. well, I mean, maybe, and uh, maybe that's maybe that's the point. Mm. Um, uh, <laughs> you know that that history is often written by complete morons who get access to the pen rather than the people who are actually going to tell it properly. Mm. Um, uh, which, again, thematic point rather than a pleasing, realistic one. Because, yeah, I'm with you. It's I can't imagine how you tell the story. And then the Battle of Blackwater was won, and then the Queen did this. And then, maybe that's the point, though, actually, because Tywin rode in and took credit for the Battle of the Blackwater, didn't he? And, yeah. um, and, and you know, you just say the king did it or the queen did it, and you don't talk about the advisors behind them. 
I think that's true, but I think the hand of the king is such a high-profile position. It's like yeah, it's, it's not like yeah. you know second ad- economic advisor or something. It's literally like <laughs> the second most important person apart from the yeah. king. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, that but, that uh, is true. That is true. Yeah, so may- maybe that is a bit of a, a failure. What do you make uh, of Bron as master of coin? Um, I think on the one hand he has shown to be sort of Littlefinger-esque knack for gathering money um, insofar yeah. as he's just collected it by being such a bastard. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's a funny appointment, that one, isn't it? I think he, he gets yeah. it basically because he's the richest guy in the kingdom yeah. now because he's the Lord yeah. of Highgarden and the Lannisters yeah. aren't that rich anymore. He's basically the richest guy. So I suppose yeah. if he wants the job, he gets it. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I... I liked this again as a thing about what he said last episode about like, well, your family started off this way because yeah. um, palpably that's what's happening now. Sir Bron of Highgarden. Um, yeah. But also um, uh, I, I, I sort of, I, I, so yeah, sorry. I liked it as that sort of narrative kind of uh, origin story. But mm. um, I did also find it a little bit weird that that's clearly the reason why he was given an assassination mission to carry out that he didn't complete. And, you know, a really tense scene, the purpose of which is to have him say that line about this is how aristocratic houses start and to be offered Highgarden. Like, it just, again, felt like writing to the bullet points for me. I liked having yeah. him there. I think it would be good bants on the small small council. But um, but I, I didn't think they got there the right way. Again, yeah, I like the way that the small council then sort of descends into sort of the um, horse trading and and bickering that that you know will inevitably happen when you're trying to run a kingdom um, yeah. by committee. Um, yeah. But it was it was good to sort of it was a nice way of just showing that we're going to get back to normal effectively now, and yeah. you know things will happen further down the line. It's it's a it's a felt like a continuing to be a living universe. This as we as we leave. Yeah. Is yeah. And I liked how the last thing you hear is Tyrion tell it again for the third time this series, beginning his story <laughs> about bringing a, a, a jackass and a, what was it? A, a jackass or something into a brothel. I, um, well, okay. Do you know what? I've actually had somebody send me this joke. It's an actual <laughs> joke. It exists. It? Yeah, it is. It is. So would you like me to tell it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. All right. Okay, cool. So, so imagine that I am. Yeah, I'm doing this in character Tyrion. with somebody, I guess. <laughs> Tyrion. So, right, here we go. So it's, a, so it's Tyrion is telling this story against himself. And yeah. I'm doing this for the sake of completion, rather because I think we should laugh at the, the, joke, the, the, the object of the joke. Tyrion walks into a brothel with a honeycomb and a jackass. Madame of the brothel says, what can we do for you? Tyrion says, I need a woman to lay with, but mine has left me. Madame, whatever for? And what's with the honeycomb and the mule? Tyrion. My woman found a genie in a bottle and he granted her three wishes. The first was for a house fit for a queen. So he gave her this fucking honeycomb. The second was that she had the nicest ass in all the land. So he gave her this damn donkey. And what about the third wish? Well, she asked the genie to make my cock hang down past my knee. Madame says, well, that one's not so bad, eh? Tyrion says, that's not so bad. It used to be six foot three. (laughs) Hey! There you go. There it is. There's the mystery. Uh, big, big thanks to Joshua for sending that one. By the way, that was uh, that was one of the bits of feedback that we got. I was very happy about it. Nice. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, cracking. But I do like that it sort of settles back into banter. Like that was felt yeah. like banter that they had earned broadly. Um, yeah. What do, what, do you, what do you make of Pod near the Iron Throne, though? Eh? Oh my goodness! So close, <laughs> but yet so far. I know. I know. I was when he walked in with the thing. First of all, cracking. Glad he survived. Great position for him. You know, great rise for the for a house, and he's the right place for him to be. Yeah. But also, so close. So yeah. close. Yeah, I mean, te- te- technically, it's not the Iron Throne anymore. It's, it's the wooden no, wheelchair. But it's it the wheel throne. There it is. <laughs> pod for the wheelchair. That sounds like I'm threatening him, doesn't it? No, no, yeah. I'm team team pod, team pod all the way. Um, yeah, it was it was yeah. good for something nice to happen to Pod in the end as well. Yeah. Um, something about the, something to mention with the Kingsguard as well. They've got um, three eyed ravens engraved on their armor. I thought that was quite a nice little touch. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's really cool. I like that mm. a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and then we we end with this montage of John, Sansa, and Ayu. We've kind of spoken about how they've all ended up. The only other yeah. thing I wanted to mention with this is um, for all those people wanting. At least a cuddle with Ghost. They finally get it. Ugh. John comes back, gives her a little cuddle, and then then off they go. I mean, I'm yeah. pretty sure if you if you were angry about him not doing it before, this probably you isn't to going to, to, to yeah. make you feel a great deal better. But you know, you got what you wanted, everyone. So I what, mean, what, what yeah, and they must have known everybody was going to respond that way. And I still think it's a little bit. I do think it's a bit bollocks. I think the diewalls are a slightly missed opportunity mm. in this in this narrative. Um, but equally. Fine, great. Hello, ghost. Welcome back. Um, <laughs> and that's what I mean about sort of John's. You know, John is reverting, having you know dismissed Ghost with a curt nod before because he was going to go off and be a lord and be loyal to his queen and do all this stuff down south. Has now returned all the way to the north and is just going right from now on. It's me and my peeps. All right, and I don't care about the rest of your bloody politics. So I'm getting my dog. Got my <laughs> dog. Got my ginger best mate. Got my horse. Got everybody <laughs> wearing big sheepskins. And we're off for a walk in the snow. Yeah. And that just feels to me like a very happy ending for him. Yeah. How do you feel? Now, that's the end. How yeah. do you feel about how it ended? Um, because it's been quite controversial. Um, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll put my cards on the table. I really, yeah. really liked it. And I, yeah. I accept that there are some... The, the last couple of seasons... They've they've had a bit of a there have been some issues with it with the pacing and the storytelling, but overall I was still when this ended and the credits rolled I still felt very satisfied and very happy yeah. with the way the whole thing wrapped up. I felt broadly the same. Like I say, there have been a lot of big holes in the way they've got to where they've got to, but they've got to the right place, I think. Mm. And um, I know a lot of people don't feel the same way and I think a lot of that is about either feeling like they've been promised something that never came off mm. um, or feeling like Bran can't possibly be on the on the throne because the throne is about violence but like I say I feel like the whole point is that has been to undermine that expectation mm. um, but um, I liked where they got to but I think the way they got to it was just far too tenuous and I mm. didn't therefore the emotional punches didn't land the way they wanted to mm. Um and, you know, a few extra episodes maybe would have done the job. Just, you know, maintain a little bit more that kind of glacial pace that you struck in the first couple of series. Yeah. Um, that big, that sense of a big world in which you're telling a story, which they've kind of chucked overboard since it's become a TV series based rather on a TV series, based on some yeah. books. Yeah, exactly. Rather than an adaptation directly. And I will be, I'll, I'll say this now, nervously, I will be quite interested to read the second two books if they ever do come out. 
Yeah. And if they do them, I, at this point, I'm not sure I want to commit to doing them on the podcast because we spent a long time in Westeros. But yeah, I am I've got now to, I've got to quite admit, interested I, I, to feel like I feel how they get there. Exhausted now. <laughs> Game of Thrones. Because <laughs> we, we've but, been doing I mean, this for we'll, six we'll years, have we not? Yeah. Like, I mean, so we basically started this podcast doing doing books here and here and there. But you know, the, the sort of big idea was let's do a Song of Ice and Fire because it's massive and Game of Thrones is great. And mm. and yeah, it's it's been some heavy lifting, no doubt. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I, I agree about the could. It could have. It could have benefited from a slightly slightly more maybe a couple more episodes to give a bit more texture to some of these things that happened that's the word yeah i, I, I do yeah. think that um if, if even if that happened i don't think it would have fixed a lot of the i don't think it would have satisfied a, a large chunk of people who are unhappy with it because their problems are more about how the story which way the story r- went rather yeah. than how it was yeah. told um yeah. i will say about that i've seen a lot of suggestions online about alternative things that could have happened everything from like john and daenerys get married and have kids and little dragon kids to daenerys yeah. is carried over across the narrow sea to a red priest and is resurrected at the end and every one of them i just think i don't think that would have been as good as what they've done and i, mm. I do think they got it right <laughs> i think this yeah. is a good ending um, I, just, I think it's just it was a good ending. Be- exactly, and it's a good ending because it is what I care about in the story. And like, I'm realizing that I'm quite weird that I care about this stuff about politics and symbolism and and, and kingship and 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 violence and war and and you know reciprocity and the rest of it. Really fascinates me, so I'm down. But <laughs> I think they have also they haven't only been telling a story that's about that. They have also been telling a story that's about dynastic struggle and romance and mm. fighting and all of that sort of thing which is perfect like is very enjoyable big part of the series and i'm not sure they paid that off properly at all and i think mm. the, the good the good the good summary of that is the fact that you've got all these all these lords sitting around at the end who are there because they are named characters and their character shields have carried them this far and mm. rather than because of reasons to do with battle and war and so on yeah um, but although I worth saying, it's quite an achievement, isn't it, to write a single narrative that contains not one but two different wars and actually yeah. tell them both in proper depth. Usually, you tell one or two battles and struggle to get away with it. You know, um, I I, I yeah. think in general as well because th- this series has been unlike any other in that the level of interest and the level of sort of theory building and like theory crafting from the community. And how <laughs> much people? And, oh, yeah, and, and how much people have thought about it? I just think this was this end in terms of the fan reaction was inevitable because so many people cared so much about their version of the end um, that you were inevitably. I just think it's had such a build up that I don't think you can end and not disappoint a lot of people when you have this kind of size show run for this long with such a yeah. sp- specific endpoint in mind. So yeah. I, I, I do think that, yeah, this is this was always going to happen. And I, I do think <clears throat> when we look back on it in years to come, I think history will judge it quite kindly. And it's certainly, it's certainly the best series I've seen on TV, I would say. It's my favourite TV series. I can, I can That's interesting. Be happy with, I, be, I'll happily say that. I want to watch it again before I make that claim, which means I'll never make that claim because I'll never have time to watch it again. But... Um, <laughs> Because you know I have kids, but um, uh, the 
I'm not ready to call it the best I've ever seen, but it's certainly in in some really important and massive areas. I can't imagine a TV series coming that outstrips it in terms of accomplishment, mm. and that's quite that's quite a huge deal. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm not I'm not quite saying it's the best, but I am saying I can't see how anybody's going to do any better. Yeah. Shall we move on to our character predictions? Oh yes, very um, much. Right. So in on the end of episode one, we put forward a load of suggestions as to what would happen to our characters. Let's go through and work out. We'll get a point each for everyone we get right. So I've got my pen at the ready. Are you ready? I am ready. I'm really curious about this. Right, so we start with the Night King, uh, which I said dead in the final episode, so that's only really half a point, I think. (laughs) At best. And you said dead episode five. Oh! Which is... what? Which episode are we on? I can't even... Six. So he died Six. episode three. So I'm not any really much better than you. Right. So we give ourselves a half each for that. Okay. Yeah. And, and then... I, and that's important because that was both of us saying the big story here is about the Night's King. And it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Like... Okay. Robin Arryn. Um, I put a sweet Robin. I put dead by human hand and you put dead uh what's it scheme uh, some kind of scheme that he started which which went wrong so we've we're yeah. both completely wrong there i know he's still alive sitting there smirking <laughs> bastard yeah um kono <laughs> fan favorite kono we didn't even know who he was when we made this prediction <laughs> Carnotaurus the dothraki yeah Carnotaurus dothraki we both put dead so that is a that is yeah. a good there we go. that's a full one. one point each yeah um homeless harry strickland uh, oh yeah yeah okay now we both put dead but i put set on fire and he had no elephants to put him out which <laughs> wasn't right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but extra marks for greater detail, I think. Yeah, and you put Euron kills him because he's shagging Cersei as well. So. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, his introduction scene it suggested that might be the way it goes. Yeah, yeah. It I think wasn't. we'll give each of us a half point for that. Um yeah. Lyanna Mormont. Ah. Um oh, yeah. I said she'd survive, which was wrong. And you yeah. said she'd be whiteified, which was absolutely bang on. 100%. So yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, you didn't wow. mention the giant, but um, I'll, I'll give you that. Oh, that's uh, very generous of you. Thank you. <laughs> Bronze Yon Royce. Oh, drink. <laughs> drink. Um, I said he'd get turned into a white, and you said that he'd die being a turncoat. Unfortunately, oh, both. Yeah. Are incorrect. We're both very incorrect. I can't believe I, I can't believe you survived. I can't <laughs> believe it. Um, Pod, I said he'd survive, which was right. Dave, yeah. you, you went a bit further than that. I did. Uh, survive and on the Iron Throne. So <sighs> half a point, he did survive. Half a point, he did survive. <laughs> uh, we both said for the mountain died during the Cl- Clegane Bowl, and yep, that yep. was that was bang on. Not a hard one to predict, that was it. <laughs> um, Dolores said, we, I said dead, killed by a white walker. So, sort of half a point, he died, but it wasn't the white walker that killed him. Yeah, he was killed you, by a white, yeah. Yeah, you said he survived. 
Ah. That puts us on four and a half each. It's quite oh. close, this, you know. Oh, this, this is, is great, yeah. Quite exciting. Um, <laughs> Beric. Oh, no, Yara. Yeah. Um, we just both said survived, and that's yeah. that's and right. We right. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. just sort of knocked about a bit, survived, didn't she? Yeah. Uh, Beric. Again, how many people did I think the White Walkers would have killed? They really didn't kill that many at all. I said a White Walker would kill him, which I think that didn't happen. I think it's worth... No, that's true. It was whites that killed him, wasn't it? But like, but it's worth remembering that we did all think that the battle against the Night King was going to be all that, and we were yeah, all yeah. extremely underwhelmed bad. by yeah. the four characters who didn't. Which, again, that was the point. I'm down, but still, <laughs> I was quite ambitious in my prediction: death by White Walker. Yours was even more so: death having struck the killing blow to the Night King. Oh, that would have been, <laughs> wouldn't it? Though, wouldn't that just have been the absolute fucking bollocks? Oh. <laughs> Never mind. Can I get half a point for that, though? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Kyburn. I put <laughs> I put some kind of very creative death. I wouldn't say it was particularly creative. It wasn't it creative. <laughs> he was just sort of batted aside like a like a, a, a obstreperous fly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you said he'd die, but during some kind of pact being made with the Night King. So. Oh, that would have been great. But again, no. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I've just seen the year on one. I put kill- <laughs> I put killed by Jamie. Absolutely. Did you? Bang on. Get, yeah. get in. Oh, that's great. I, I bet I didn't say anything like that perspicacious, did uh, I? You apparently put died whilst, like, during sex with Cersei. I mean, if you had to choose anybody who was going to die during sex in this series, it would definitely be Euron dying during sex with Cersei. No? No. Okay, all right, fine. He died, though. I love that half point, thanks. You get a half point for that, yeah. How did it work? It's like, oh, this is so brilliant. Oh, oh. Yeah. No, no, no. She just needs to... I don't know. I don't Heart attack. Through, did I? Yeah, heart attack. He's just enjoying himself so much. Um, Gilly and little Sam were lumped together. Yeah. Uh, and I, I put down as a survive, which was right. Um, yeah. You said death on um, killed by a white... Oh, no, turned into a white or a white walker. Oh, yeah, you had this this really interesting theory that Sam's kid, or oh, little Sam, yeah. was yeah. going to get turned into a white walker. That would have been quite yeah. cool. Yeah, would have been. I mean, didn't happen, though. Did, did happen. So. <laughs> did happen. Well, did Gilly survive, though? Are we sure about that? Yeah, she was at the end. She was. Do you remember a couple of episodes before the end? They, before they went off to King's Landing. Oh she she yeah, she was pregnant. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah She's yeah. got an extra gilly, little gilly in there. There you go. All right, all right. Um, Melisandre, we yep. both said dead. I yep. said Night King related, which I don't think is really going to track. It can't. It was. Uh, well, I, I. You might get points for that though. Like she killed herself because the Night King was dead and she was no longer needed. That's true. That's true. I, I'm gonna gonna give myself half because I think um, that that is true. But also, I, I was imagining he was gonna kill her. Oh, um, okay, fair enough. So. Yeah. And you said dead sacrificed herself um, to get Beric in front of the Night King, which again I think is about the same. Uh, it would, it's it Night King been, related. Great. Not yeah. Quite right. Dead though. Dead. I'll take dead. There are so many characters. We're about half. <laughs> I remember here, you this know. the last time as well. This entire list. I've no idea where you printed this list off from, but it was comprehensive. <laughs> so Jorah Mormont, Burr Island. Jorah. Uh, oh my goodness. Get ready for this. Uh, I've put died protecting Daenerys. Get that in. Put die. 
That is bang Roll on. Roll it up and smoke it like a cigar, Matt. You got that one absolutely <laughs> correct. Um, you put killed by John. So you got half Oh, point, yeah. No, no. He did yeah. die. But John didn't, didn't do him. Yeah. Strangely enough, and I wouldn't have thought we'd have both said this, but we both said Grey Worm would survive. Oh, interesting. Yeah. No, we were right. Have that. Great. I'm, I'm, re- I'm really surprised because yeah. I spent most of the series waiting for him to die. So I don't know why I thought he was going to survive. <laughs> but yeah, Fair very enough. pleased with that. Uh, yeah. Gendry, do you remember what you said for him? I think I said he died. No, no, he's survivor. So you, you're you're oh, right. right again. We're having a good run here. Yeah, I didn't I didn't predict he become Lord of uh, Storm's End though, did I? No, uh, Tormund. We both thought Tormund was going to die. I yeah. thought with Brienne, and you yeah. thought um, whilst yeah. Um, Beams whilst he had a big smile on his face while he dies like in front of her, but uh, yeah, no, no dice for yeah. us there either no, way. No, no, yeah. Bron, um, yeah, I said he'd survive. You said he was he died at the end trying to flee, so I think like trying to escape. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. I, that would have been a much less imaginative ending than the one they gave him. So fair enough. Yeah, we're on to it's thirteen ten now. Um, I've had a bit of a good run here. Oh, but, uh, deary me, deary me. The hound's up next. We both, again, we both said, yeah. That was they, the, the hound in the mountain were the easiest to predict, weren't you? Yeah. Always thinking, it's always going to end that way with those. Each other. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, Varys, I said, died off screen, which wasn't true, but no, half, no. half right. And you said he was going to make it. You thought he'd survive. I did think he was going to survive, yeah. He wasn't far yeah. off, was he? He just just that last desperate play didn't. Um, yeah, that last. Well, and the decision off. that he made. I shouldn't have gone against the prophecy, though. Hey, that was the whole. The TV series doesn't break prophecies very often. Book breaks them all the <laughs> fucking time, but yeah. um, the TV series doesn't do it very much. Uh, for Brienne, we both said survive. So yeah. again, usual. Bran, I thought Bran was going to die in the Night King battle, and mm. you said yeah, he'd die doing sort of shady Night King stuff. So uh, that was a bit of a shock both to both of us. We both thought Bram was gonna, was. wasn't going to make it, let alone yeah, sit I on the wooden wheelchair. I, I would love to know if anybody, uh, if anybody put money on Bram becoming Night King, becoming a King of Westeros. Like that, yeah. that's something else. Yeah, uh, Sam. We both said survive. So again, mm-hmm. another one. That's quite. I think that was again quite well signposted. Yeah. Um, Theon. Yeah. Uh, you see, with Theon, I put Theon died sacrifice saving a Stark, and Not you put that. <laughs> yeah, but you, and you put died sacrifice saving John. I think the only uh. reason that I get the point there is because I wasn't as specific. So I think <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll just give each other half for that again. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, you can afford to be magnanimous in that way, can't you? You're way out in front. Seventeen fourteen. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Missendi. We both thought Missendi would survive. Missendi! 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 Yeah, pull one out, yeah. Um, yeah. Davos. <laughs> Davos. I think? said survive. You yeah. said survive, fireplace, pipe, good book. <laughs> He's nearly there, though. I, like, that's pretty yeah. close. Because the last <laughs> bit of that scene, though, is basically a slightly more political version of fireplace pipe and a good book, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, Sitting you're getting two points for that. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, here we go. <laughs> um, Arya, I said Arya would die um, oh. at the end of uh, in the final episode. So no yeah. look there. Um, yeah. 
you've put a W. What does that mean? Uh, we're in extra face and then survive. So I think half a point. Uh, yeah. She never yeah. wore a face. That's, that, she yeah, she didn't. That's interesting that that never came back. Such a weird thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like I don't, and I think that is the that is one of the things that. Yeah, I, I think people are justified in being mad about that. I'm not, but I think mm. people are justified in it. Yeah, I don't know how I would have felt about her doing that again, just for the sake. I don't, I don't think the in terms of like the greater story of what was happening, I don't see where, like, it would have been a better. I would have preferred her to be wearing a fake face than her to have done anything that she's done. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. would have meant she didn't have this moment with the hound, which I thought was great. Yeah. And yeah, yeah and she didn't have the kill the Night King in the way she did. Because yeah. I think for her to have worn a face as well, one of those yeah. things would have had to be different. And I quite liked both of them. Yeah. Um, Sansa. I said Sansa would survive. <laughs> you said die, die doing us, making a foolish mistake. I think throughout the, what, we've, what I've noticed is throughout the books and the series, You've yeah. always had a bit of a more negative opinion of Sansa than I have. She's really sort of rankled with you. Yeah, I think, honestly, it's just what she's like in the first book, where yeah. she's just like, she just does all these incredibly stupid, entitled, selfish things that are both poorly thought through and hugely destructive to those around her. And the problem is that, and, and again, like I, I, I don't like sort of throwing shade at people's performances, but I do think Sophie, the voice Sophie Turner has adopted for this character just makes me still think of her as that slightly mm. sort of up like just really no, no matter what's happened to her as a character she still talks like sort of somebody that's quite arrogantly self-involved and and sulky sullen yeah. really and like yeah. and and so i just haven't stopped responding to her that way um yeah yeah which is which is sad because sophie turner is a very good actress but um yeah but in this in this performance i've just i just haven't been able to connect with her at all yeah we're into the big characters now here we um, go. With with this, and there's two and a half points in it. Uh, John. Yeah. Uh, I said John would die in episode six, so no good for me. Ooh. But you said he'd die in episode five for good. Oh uh, mm. yeah, yeah. We were both wrong there. Oh, here we go. Daenerys. I said she'd yeah. survive and break Ooh. the wheel. No good there. No. And no. You, you said. Yeah. Die. Yeah, I did. But but episode five. Yeah, so I was wrong. So it's close, though. That's it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Cersei. I, I, we've both said dead and Jamie kills her. And I think oh. sort of... He kind of did, but not on <laughs> my taking intention. us out through that room. <laughs> We're going to claim that. We're going to get yeah. a point each for that. Love that. <laughs> um, Jamie, uh, I put he'd die in Brienne's arms. Which yeah. is not true. I mean, it's a, yeah. again half a point. He did die. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you said he'd survive and take the black. Oh yeah, well, I, th- I was wrong. I don't remember you saying that. Uh, I reckon though? I may have rewritten some of these. <laughs> 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 Let's go back and listen. Well, I don't remember you saying any of this. But, yeah. Fantastic. No, I do remember saying Jamie. Jamie survives and takes the black because I like the rhyme between the white of the king's guard and the black of the knight's guard. But yeah. um, but but that's not what happened. So I was still wrong. Uh, but but if it does turn out that I lose this by a single point, I want to recount. You recount, yeah. yeah. Get the electoral commission involved. <laughs> uh, Tyrion, I said survive. You said survive and sit the Iron Throne. You made two separate yeah. Iron Throne predictions. I did. I, you well, hedged no, your bets. I, 
I did hedge my bets a little bit. Well, no, because I really badly want. I think Pod for the Iron Throne is still one of the funniest things that I've I've thought of in this entire <laughs> podcast series. It's so preposterous, and it so nearly happened broadly. Um, but <laughs> but no, I mean, I think my serious one was. I think Tyrion ends up on the Iron Throne. Yeah, um, and I was wrong. It's a re- it's a relief that Pod didn't, because we would have had to name our children Podrick. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is, that Look at that bet's not had to come off. Uh, okay, we've just got the dragons left. Drogon. Um, Drogon, the dragon. That's still the stupidest name in all of fantasy. Um, I said dead shot with a crossbow, and you said yep. dead killed by the ice dragon, so we were both wrong there. Yeah. Yep. Um, Viserion. Which one's Viserion again? Oh, that was the dead one, wasn't it? That was the dead one, yeah. Um, I put killed by dragon, which mm. he died, but that wasn't right. And you got yeah. shot by a big crossbow. So again, yeah. it's sort yeah, of half point each for those. And the final one, Viserium. I said killed by Ice Dragon, so it's half point. You said shot with a big crossbow, which was hey. absolutely right. Bang on the money. So the final scores, 22.5 to 20. Oh. oh! I remember well the, Battle of the, Bast- well the Battle of the Bastards one we did. We finished exactly level. It was amazing. That was great. That was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Back <laughs> back when this storyline was even broadly kind of uh, predictable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there we are. So that was uh, that. That shows that you know, even though we we liked it, it didn't turn out the way we expected either. So yeah, that. yeah. Uh, did you say you got a bit That's of feedback? True. I have, yeah, got a couple of messages, yeah. Um, so um, I've got one here from uh, Joshua, who I quoted before. Thanks, to Joshua, for sending us uh, the, Joshua. the the final joke, actually getting the full Tyrion joke. That was oh, great. yeah, the the, pine, the honeycomb and ass there. Uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So thanks to Joshua for that. Um, so uh, he also says, um, been listening to your podcast on uh, Game of Thrones, and first I have to say it's really been adding to my experience of the show, and I'm grateful for that. So cheers, yeah. man. Um, but uh, but then he says, uh, just wanted to chip in on this last episode because I know I won't get another chance at it. I think looking back at Bran's actions, knowing he will get the iron or maybe wield throne. First of all, wield throne is what we're calling it from now on. The, maybe. <laughs> sure. um, the wield throne explains a lot of his lack of action. Part of his ultimate wisdom is knowing what other people will do and how that will lead to the outcome he knows will happen. So why mm. would you make unnecessary moves? In chess, no one attacks with their king unless they have to. Bran on yeah. the throne sets up peace for the foreseeable future. No one has a need to rebel if they have somewhat elected him in. I think this ending is one of the best outcomes for the kingdoms. You can't put John on the throne after treason, and he had to be the one to commit said treason. Plus, mm. I imagine him fucking off north of the wall is where he will be happiest, which I definitely agree with. Tyrion can't take it for the same reason. Plus, it seems he'll be doing most of the actions as hand while Bran fucks off to find Drogon or whatever other weird shit he likes to do. Yeah, we haven't <laughs> talked about that actually. Like, what does Bran? What's Bran going to do with his time? Because he did seem <laughs> to be sort of going, oh, "I'll find him." Like, is he going to go and yeah. you know, he's going to fly around, find him somewhere? I don't know. Yeah, it is funny that um, the the series was one of the lessons of the series was how dangerous it is to sort of rely on the whim of one person. For sort of oh, the that's how everyone is, yeah. and that is very much how it ended. Was we've just got to hope that Bran really is <clears throat> sort of good, and he's almost like a demigod, isn't he? You basically yeah. put a demigod on the throne, and you're hoping yeah. he's going to be benevolent and a good yeah. ruler. And yeah. it hasn't moved into this. As there was some theories saying it might, you might end up with some kind of proto democracy with checks and balances, which means you can't have a bad ruler. And maybe the fact that they're electing them 
makes uh, sort of moves it towards a more sort of as you said Magna Carta style monarchy. Yeah. But it did feel at the end that a lot of what happens here is dependent on Bran because he's so powerful because he can see the future. Um, yeah. He can just do whatever he likes, and we're yeah. just hoping that he is as sort of disinterested, stroke sort of benevolent as he as he appears. Yes, yeah, no, absolutely, and and I think that is a, I mean, obviously it's, that's sort of a a, um, a cliffhanger that we're never obviously we're sort of never going to get resolved, yeah. Um, but uh, but I think that's that's a really sort of excellent point. It's a very Game of Thrones thing to do to have, well, yeah, okay, it's fine for now, but what happens next? And yeah. to have that be an extremely uncertain sort of um, state of affairs. Um, Anyway, so we have, uh, we have, uh, sorry, a bit more from Joshua. Um, so while I was shocked by the choice, I ultimately think it was the best possible outcome. Um, keep up the podcast and uh, and I hope life treats you both well, which was really, I thought was really, really great. And he kind yeah, of went cheers, on and Josh. said, yeah, like sort of, um, uh, he made the very excellent point. It's funny they have no master of war since they're all shit at medieval battle strategy, which is absolutely the case. <laughs> and um and like Dothraki's appearing and disappearing out of nowhere um uh so all in i th- i thought that was i thought that was quite um sort of I, it was quite interesting i it all for me though it all hinges on whether bran can see the future and i'm not sure whether that's whether we've been told that or not and so that actually yeah. is a it's weird two things that are weird to me about that first of all it's weird that we haven't been told that because that, that will fundamentally change the function of the entire plot but secondly yeah. it's weird how i don't really care very much about it like yeah i'm happy if it if it is you know if that's the way it is um mm. and i'm happy if it's not i feel like all the threads were tied up as joshua says like it just sort of makes makes sense to me yeah yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't i don't i don't know how useful his master of whisperers will be it'll be like uh yeah. i've got some information for you i already know it exactly. <laughs> i already know everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly imagine that's an apprenticeship if ever i heard one isn't it i'm gonna be master of whisperers the spy master for somebody who literally sees and knows everything that happens <laughs> yeah whoops <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the series of brand just being just incredibly bored in all these spy master means you'll never believe what's happening down in flea bottom oh i know i already Bet know you. how many Bet times you. i bloody know <laughs> why are you here <laughs> <laughs> um bosh okay hit me okay so uh got a message here uh, as well uh from james who as a matter of fact matt is a fellow boltonian james fellow son son of bolton yes um He's basically just messaged and said, I need to know your verdict. Every season on Rotten Tomatoes is, for this is like over 90%, and this this season is 40-something, which I don't know if that is true, but that's incredible. Um, if, that, if that's the case, that is withering. And he just says, I believe they simply just didn't deliver on any of the book content at all, or are we all going mad? And that, I think that is an excellent question, actually, like how well it really tied up. So I've been sort of, because I like where it's landed, I've been comfortable with the gaps. But mm. there's any amount of stuff that hasn't paid off. You know, Arya didn't use a face. Um, what the hell was the point of Marine and Astapor? Um, like, like on and on and on and on and on. Like, never mind half the things that Quaith predicted that didn't fucking come off. Um, mm. So that is an interesting one, an interesting question. Like, 
having done, having read all the books, we've read literally every word published about the, this particular story in A Song of Ice and Fire. At the end of the day, do we feel like it paid off what it asked us to pay off? Mm. Well, point by point, by point there. So, what, what did you say then? So the the Marie, I think Marine and Astapor, the whole point of that, and I'm sure this will be the case in the in the books as well, is just to basically fill out Daenerys' backstory and training to for her to become who she is um, when she's yeah. in Westeros. Okay. A lot of the stuff that right. happens when she's here is all sort of because of what's gone on before. Um, mm. it's, it's almost like, I think we said it earlier, like when we were in the middle of all the marine stuff, it kind of feels like she's doing the tutorial before going on to the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the how to be a queen tutorial, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The face thing, yeah, yeah, true. Well, you you could say it didn't pay off, or you could say it paid off just earlier. Just that the payoff for sort of the faceless man stuff was killing Walder Frey. Um, that was like what that built up that to. Maybe you, you wouldn't be happy yeah. with the, how good the payoff was, but I'd say it, it did pay off just a little earlier. Um, yeah. The predictions one's interesting because I think. Part of, there were a lot of a lot of all this stuff was sort of like the prince that was promised and Azora High and um, the the Valencar prophecy and all this sort of stuff. A lot of it didn't pay off. You're right, but I think that's part of what George Martin. I think that will um, that might well happen in the book as well because one of the things George yeah. Martin does is subvert the fantasy genre, and I think part of what he's telling us here, or what certainly what the show's telling us, is that you know. Prophecies are just predictions, and they can be nothing. They can just they can just be like someone's yeah. best guess, yeah. and they've got it wrong, you know. And and I think that I find that subversion quite interesting because you've been kind of conditioned to almost every fantasy uh, story you ever read. If there's a prophecy, it pays off. It always pays off. Whereas you know maybe that shouldn't always be the case. Maybe sometimes people yeah. make prophecies. Yeah, and don't know very what the hell much. And I think about. that. Yeah, that thing is 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 reasonable. The fact that so many of them were so bang on because they kind of couldn't resist, I think the TV series makers couldn't resist the temptation of having this thing that they could just use to foreshadow something that looks like snow falling mm. on a broken iron throne, like that's pretty that's that's too tempting I think to miss. And so that kind of gives the rest of it a kind of yeah. veneer of um of plausibility or credibility that it probably doesn't deserve you're right in the in the sort of in the yeah. in the in the overall sort of universe um it uh yeah it's it, it it sort of undermined i think what the point of those prophecies was actually supposed to be yeah mm. yeah. yeah yeah so and the, the, i suppose the final one about them like not being as close yeah. to the book anymore is true but I, I give the I give the showrunners a lot of slack here because yeah. they don't have a book yeah. anymore. Yeah, they signed up to adapt the books, and I think a lot a lot of the shortcomings in how the the series has lost some of its ch- texture in the last few yeah. se- in the last few seasons. I think it's more a fault of George Martin yeah. for just not finishing his his books than it is from the for the showrunners and who found signed up to adapt to book as, as books yeah. and then ended yeah. up to. Yeah, yeah, basically writes sort of a, a fan version of it, yeah. and it's sort yeah. of yeah, that's no, not what they signed up for. 
and I think I think I think they've made the best stab at it, but it it hasn't had the the texture it had before because it doesn't it it hasn't followed the source material because yeah. it doesn't have the source material anymore. Yeah. It just yeah. has a few sort of bullet points. Yeah. yeah. So you're never um, going to get that the, texture. I, I agree with that, and I think we're agreed on the sort of texture being the problem. Pacing was the problem rather than where it ended necessarily. Um, but I've got one final mm. piece, which I, I, is actually not yeah. something that's been sent to us. So apologies to the author of this if if prefer for us not to read it out but i just thought it summed up that a lot of the anger of a friend of mine basically said this mm. sums it all up for me and so it just says says so john snow was a targaryen yeah. for no fucking reason bran became the three-eyed raven for no fucking reason danny did amazing things for eight seasons for no fucking reason prince who was promised no fucking reason everyone he wanted to team up for eight seasons teams up for no fucking reason everyone he wanted to die died for no fucking reason. Fucking Brandon Stark, the character no one gives a shit about for eight seasons, is king. Why? For no fucking reason, that's why. I've watched Game of Thrones since 2011 for no fucking reason. And and I have to say, actually, that really <laughs> solidifies my feeling that we're right and that it was ended quite well. Jon Snow was a Targaryen in order to set up the character dilemma between him and the Queen and to give her a reason to push her over the edge. Bran became the Three-Eyed yeah. Raven so that he could push important pieces about, not least the fact that Jon Snow was a Targaryen, to create that tension and to be a credible ruler even without having a sword arm that he can swing. Danny did amazing things for eight seasons to people mm. who appeared to deserve it but learned in the process that she was a horrendous person. The prince who was promised actually kind of did come off but didn't and that's the point because prophecies sometimes don't come off. Everyone I wanted to team up for eight seasons teams up because mm. um, because they need to kill the Night's King and the whole point of that was to undermine our desire for a big bad that we need to kill. Everyone who wanted to die died because they died because they were attacked. Mm. Brandon Stark is king because he gets to dismantle the system. And that's why. So, that was, by the way, that message mm. was sent from Pete, for whom I have an enormous amount of love and respect. But I think he's wrong <laughs> because it's just, it just, it just doesn't, yeah, like, it's, uh, yeah, I actually, I, I think it was good. That really solidifies me, and I think it was good. I think they got there badly, but I think it was good. Yeah, I think you could substitute for no fucking reason for for yeah. reasons I didn't like yeah. and yeah. I think they're two different things and I, yeah I f it's it's one of those things like yeah for it, I, I, I do think part of it part of the problem um, is that some people yeah. just didn't it didn't turn out the way some people wanted and also I mean I would also say I watched just even if you don't like the last couple of episodes I still say it yeah. was still a it's yeah. still a hell of a ride along the way. You've still got yeah. a lot of enjoyment out of the series over the last ten years. Just because at the very end you've not liked the end doesn't mean the whole ten years was a yeah. waste of time and you've not enjoyed the rest yeah. of it. You still enjoyed the rest of the show. It's just the last couple yeah. of episodes you, you've not been happy with, and I, I understand that's frustrating because you think, oh, all that and yeah. and I didn't enjoy the last yeah. bit. But the journey was still awesome, and you still enjoyed every other year up to now. So I think I can. I I don't want to sound patronising, like oh, you should, you know, all criticisms bollocks. Because I don't think no, that. No, I do think it could not. have yeah, been yeah. better. Yeah, I I agree. But, but I, I also think it's still been a fantastic series of television, um, with year on year of just incredible TV moments that we've enjoyed in the moment, and regardless of whether it was sort of the ending was just what we wanted or really disappointing. I still think, even if you're disappointed at the end, there's the earlier part, which which was still worth watching for yeah, the journey. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think you're right there. 
and I, I think there's a there's a sense of like I think a lot of the people who are really upset are upset because they thought that they were watching a TV series about um, wanting the throne and demanding the throne and claiming the throne and exercising power and all the rest of it. And the point of the series was to mm. show you how awful that is in so many different dimensions and then to totally take it away. And so if what you wanted it for mm. was that, you're definitely going to be angry about it. And that may be justified. But to me, yeah. the point of it was to be other than that. And for that reason, I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the future of Game of Thrones, there are obviously two books still due out. And oh, we've, yeah. we've talked already about what we do about this. I'm hoping, I mean, we've spent about six or seven years waiting for the next book to come out. And now I'm kind of hoping it's going to be at least another year so we can have a proper break. <laughs> so we have a bit if of we, a break. If we, yeah, if it came out next <laughs> month, I don't know what we'd do. I don't, I don't know if we could. No. Uh, we, we might do... Yeah, we might do a podcast on it, but not in that kind of depth. Maybe try and just yeah. just cut it down to a, a two or three episodes, yeah. <laughs> the whole book. Basically, do do a um, showrunners like truncated series. That's amazing. <laughs> just do an absolute sprint. We commit the yeah. same crime as we've had committed here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we're going to. Oh, I'm. I really enjoyed Game of Thrones, and I've enjoyed talking about it in such detail. I do feel. We've sort of, I've, I've had my fill in terms. I feel like I've had a massive yeah. meal, uh, yeah. and yeah. That's, yeah, that's exactly how it feels, isn't it? It's like <laughs> I'm happy about it. It was well prepared. A few dodgy bits, broadly great. I don't want to eat again just at the moment. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So we'll move on to a different book um, for our next for our next um, run. Uh, if you've any suggestions of what you'd like us to do, then let us know. We've had a suggestion for War and Peace, which oh! um, we, we've. We've, we have sort of we've kicked about the idea of doing that for a while um, mm. we may need a bit of a palate cleanser in between yeah, um, something a little bit briefer perhaps <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but I that, actually that, I on, do wonder I actually I glanced a little while back at the sort of first chapter of, of War and Peace yeah. and um, first of all there's a great companion book called Give War and Peace a Chance which I'm going to give shout outs to whenever we talk about War and Peace because I just think that's such a great title for a book um, <laughs> but actually I thought Game of Thrones might have helped me with these sort of epic novels. Sort yeah. of think about like like sort of a suitable boy by Vikram Set as well. Like these kind of big things, mm. um, which you I think usually I'd look at and go, oh, you know, everybody looks at it and says, oh, it's an absolute doorstopper. You're never getting through that. Yeah. And actually, Game of Thrones is an absolute doorstopper. Quite literally, you know, seventy hours plus of TV. It's thousands and thousands of pages. And I think it may have helped me to get my head around how you can tell a satisfying story on a scale like this. Yeah. Which means, I mean, you know, War and Peace, Napoleonic Wars, you know, like that's quite an interesting thing to to um, to read into. So I would be quite interested in doing that. But yeah, let's do something shorter first. Eh? <laughs> okay, well, if you have any suggestions, shortliveroyalpodcast at gmail.com is the uh, email address to send it to. Uh, but Dave. Matt. Finally, it's emotional, isn't it? <laughs> it is emotional. Our Game of Thrones coverage comes to a close. We now know our not watch when ended. we shall return with that. Um, but until next time, when we do a different book, thank God. <laughs> it's, the, <laughs> it's the end of Game. I'm put it. I'll, I'll, I'm going to tell you now. Uh, for anyone listening thinking we might be doing Fire and Blood or the Dunkin' Egg stuff. We're not, we're not going to be doing no. that. 
<laughs> we're not doing that. Under we're not no doing circumstances. It. Yeah, it was. I mean, we love we love a song of ice and fire. George Martin's a great writer, but I think we've had our fill. So, hell, yeah. <laughs> especially given I don't, if you look back at our back catalogue we've actually tried quite hard to only do one book by one author like we're trying yeah. to get a, like a variety of authors and then like 40% of our output is on one story by one author <laughs> yeah it's, it's time to go and do something else <laughs> yeah so we shall, we're off to find something else uh, if you find something else let us know but otherwise we shall return with a new book uh, yes. in the very near future excellent bye bye Bye-bye.